This week on Three Sides of the Coin, some of the most amazing KISS stories we've ever heard from somebody who was at some amazing KISS events in 1974, 1975, and 1978. Isn't that 77? 77. When was, when was KISS Alive 2 recorded? 77? 77. 77. Yeah, because it was November of 77 that it was released. Okay. So. Correct. So, so there you go. So. Yeah. And and, so, and so I caught that before somebody freaked out. Oh my god! Oh, they'll still freak Wait, out. They'll still. Freak out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but but most importantly, guys, this guest was at the great kiss off at Woodfield Mall. Think about that. We found somebody who was there, and he shared his memories of going there, and he shared some memories of what the crowd thought of Kiss. <laughs> This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. You have no idea what co-hosts are are playing around with us this week, because we're all audio this week. And not because, usually it would be because Mark's having... Kiss router problems, but our guest this week was only on phone, and Tommy was traveling, so he was on phone, and Mark was traveling, so he was on phone. So this is an audio-only episode this week. Um, but the knuckleheads are here. Yes, we are here. I, we are here. Yeah, we were in the Kiss bubble. The Kiss bubble. Um, so yeah. before we get rolling. Uh, Tommy, I don't know if you've got anything in front of you. Do you have any comments from our killer show episode of last week? Yeah, but you know, I don't even know which one to read because they're all so incredible. I would say that the one that, um, hit me the hardest was actually not a comment on, um, our Facebook page or something like that. It was the gentleman who private messaged us. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, I think you, you know. need to read Mark. Do you, you have it handy? Um, Michael, do you have Mark? Yeah. yeah let I me do. That's, that's the one that needs to be read. I, I was, I literally, that shook me to the core. That was, uh, that was an incredible, yeah. uh, uh, incredible receipt. Yeah, his, his name is Mark Valentino. And let me, let me read this. It says, Hey guys, I just got done listening to this week's show. And all I have to say is thank you so very much for having John and John as guests. I was a fireman here in New York for 21 years. And for the last 25 years, while I was a fireman and after I have been a fire safety and emergency preparedness consultant in Manhattan. I also teach a few FDNY prep classes at Case University. The Station Nightclub is a part of our case study curriculum. We discuss fires that have happened in high-rise buildings, schools, uh, malls, etc. But the Station Club fire is the only one that discusses a fire in a place of public assembly. I am very grateful to the show for pointing out certain inaccuracies that I had been taught over the years that I had been teaching to my students, as well as bringing to light some points that I have never been aware of. 
I am literally revising my presentation as we speak. As a lifelong KISS fan from when I was turned 10 in 1976 to now, I have always greatly appreciated Three Sides, and I have always enjoyed listening and hearing about my favorite band from you three knuckleheads. Again, thank you so very much for this week's episode. It was very informative, very poignant, and there was much to learn. Keep up the great work, boys. Boy, that, 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 like you said, that really just touched us. Yeah, I mean, what an yeah. So thank you, Mark, for sending that incredible note to us. And not to ignore anybody else, but it, it's like you guys all left great comments, and there's a lot of great discussion going on, and we appreciate all of that. And, and the reason I chose this one is just simply because he's a firefighter in New York City teaching classes, and now he's revising his curriculum because of what he learned on the show. That's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, we, we Yeah, that was that was the Go ahead, Mark. No, no, that that was it. I mean, here's somebody that was um, you know, using that as a case study and, you know, and uh, let's give all let's give the props where they need to go to Mr. John Watkins. Um, you know, he he put this thing together for us and got a hold of um of yeah. uh, John Bigerlick and and you know, and really uh this having that episode was really um, a result of having some private conversations with Mr. Watkins. And we all agreed, Tommy, Michael and I, um, when he brought that to the table, like, you know, this really, this really does go hand in hand with kiss fans because much like we said on the show, you know, we still all go to shows and clubs and, you know, when it's funny and I'm sure you were that way, Tommy and I um, spent the weekend together and, and we saw kiss Monday night in St. Paul together, but then, Tommy saw a few other shows too, but when those horizontal flames are going across the stage, every time I'm like, my in my head I go, okay, where do I go? What's the quickest route? You know what I mean? You that stuff now is in my head, and I can't get it out. And you know what? That may save my life one day. Um, you know, it 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 again knowing that story and knowing what went wrong. Um, can really, you know, so the, all those people didn't die in vain. You know what I mean? It learned from what happened there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I still think it was probably one of our best shows. It had nothing to do with us. <laughs> all our guests. But, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully bringing all that out in the open for you guys to digest. And, and I'm, I'm hoping you guys, I hope we had a, j- j- enough kiss in that so you guys were, you know, because that's what you come here for. But I, I also hope you guys felt um, that it was, you know, it was worth it. Hey, um, if we're going to cut the short, Russell's calling me from, <laughs> from New York right now. Oh, it's just so Russell. Put him on hold. I'll put hey, him you on You can't hold. call him back? Give me a break. I'll call Good him. Lord. Well, I thought we were wrapping up here. Well, we're, we, well, listen, Mark, are you hungry already? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm at, I'm at work. It's 6 o'clock here. Oh, uh, don't even ask me about my day. I was at the DMV. Oh, I ended up getting a fucking Wendy's salad at 2 o'clock. And, oh, it's been a long day, man. My, matter of fact, Liz was talking to me when you called me to get on, you know, get on the show. I had to cut her short. She's leaving a funeral home. I know she was pissed when I'm like, look, Mike's on the phone. I'm fucked because she thought I was home already. I'm like, I'm knee-deep in fucking work. 
and, and sorry about that. You know. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> Mark's not getting dinner tonight. Uh, you know, well, into yeah. a penny, in for a pound. Let's finish this then. Yeah, you got, no, you got nowhere to be. Yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I, I, I would just add that we've gotten so many incredible comments, privately and publicly, about the Killer yeah. Show episode, and all of them have been so appreciative of the topic that 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 we brought this topic up, that we discussed it at length, like we did. Not a single person said anything about the lack of KISS content, though, as Mark said, we tried to include some. But it's just so touching all of the people who have said how important it was to listen. We've heard from people who had friends who died in the fire there. Um, We've heard from people who were going to go to the show, but because of changes in work schedules... Um, ended up not going to the show. Um, it's and 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 a lot of comments about how this topic really was like the the best three sides episode they've ever heard. And you know when you think about that, compare it to some of the amazing kiss episodes we've done. That means a lot. Yeah, well, and it affects us all because all of us are concert goers. So we want each and every one of you people, even the ones who hate us, to be safe. We don't want to see. We don't want to have another person die in a fire going out and enjoying music. Yep. It doesn't have to happen, you know. And so encourage other people that you know that go to concerts to be aware of their surroundings and and where the exits are, just like the stuff we talked about. It's something that you can share with everybody. It could save a life. Yep, for sure. Um, all right, so we got a special guest this week, and as I alluded to, he's he's joining us by phone, so all of this is going to be audio only, and Mark and Tommy, you guys duck out, I don't know, halfway through, quarter of the way through because of, of commitments and stuff like that, but it ended up being a two-hour conversation. Um, We're joined by Jim Salaby, and... That name may not mean anything to most people. Somebody I I knew when I was living in Chicago. He was a big part of the rock scene in Chicago. Um, but what makes him so special is he attended a few KISS events that he's going to share his personal memories and stories of. How about he attended the great KISS Off kissing contest in 1974. How about seeing Kiss and Rush together? How about seeing Kiss playing a university? How about seeing Kiss open for T-Rex at the Aragon Ballroom? Or maybe a little show at the LA Forum that ended up as Kiss Alive 2 that he was at. So this is pretty incredible having somebody who was at these historical events share his memories. Yeah, and he and he knows more than just about KISS. The guy has got musical depth and knowledge like And that was the fun part for me. That was nice uh reminiscing over uh some some of my favorite music ever. That was uh pretty cool. So let it roll. Jim Salaby make sure you stick to the very end because he's got stories that just keep going. And, man, I feel like two hours was barely enough time to hit them all because we 
kind of just glossed yeah, over. Yeah, I was bummed that I had to get out. We kind of glossed over him seeing, oh, the Runaways play the Whiskey a Go-Go? I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Um, but let it roll. Jim Salaby and his Kiss Stories. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Three Sides listeners, so we are super excited to have Jim Salaby join us this week. And why? Because Jim has got some incredible early history stories to share with us. Um, Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Jim and I, our paths crossed, oh man, in the late 80s, early 90s when we were both in Chicago. Jim, you're you're that Chicago you're a Chicago native, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I I moved I moved there out of college, but our paths crossed a few times there. Had no idea back then you were a Kiss fan. I always knew you were a metalhead, but didn't know you were a Kiss fan. And um, recently you were posting some stuff on Facebook, and I was like, oh my God, you've been to some of these most amazing. Kiss events that happened in the, especially in the Chicago area, and so just to clue people in on what we're going to be talking about here, you've seen a few shows of the Kiss Rush tour in the early seventies, correct? Right. You were at. This is really cool to me. You were at Woodfield Mall for the Great Kiss Off finale. Everybody was kissing, and Kiss was in attendance. You were there. I was there. It was just an easy, uh, you know, car ride from there. And I have, you know, and I have a reason. I think also that, I mean, Chicago is a good hard rock and metal market, but you know, Mercury Records was based, based there. there. Yep. Then. Yep. Yep. So that was home. And 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 then we're gonna pro if we if we don't run out of time, we're gonna wrap up with your just jumping in a car, taking a road trip out to Los Angeles and realizing that two bands, Kiss and Cheap Trick, were playing in the LA Forum when you were there. Not, <laughs> not a clue. Not there a clue. There were no cell phones. There was no internet. I just went out random and you had to go to a record store. I found a record store with a phone booth and I w made a call and to find out where they were. And then I, which was licorice pizza, which was a great chain back in the day. And, and, uh, I looked in and there was a flyer for kiss at the LA forum recording kiss, you know, kiss alive too. And with cheap trick, you know, Rockford homegrown. Yep. And, and, and to make that story even more interesting, you just decided to go check out a show at the Whiskey the following night, or was it the night before? It was, uh, I think it was the, the night following night. The, following, the night. following night. You went to the Whiskey and caught this little band called the Runaways. Yes. 
I, I had the hops for Lita Ford. What can you say? Who, who, did, who <laughs> didn't? Who didn't? I know. I mean, well, all of them, we were like, whoa. And then, you know, when I saw they were playing right there, we, you know, because we stayed at a Best Western on Sunset, which was, you know, reasonable and it was easy to deal with. And, you know, what an amazing show. And actually later, you know, when you, Back in the old days of archaic bootlegs, I actually found a bootleg of the show. Oh, very cool. Well, let, let's, let's go all the way back to when did you first discover, see, learn about KISS? Uh, I discovered them in a magazine called Rock Scene, uh, which was a national rag on any you know any drugstore etc right. uh and the, the girl that or the lady who was a journalist was that had a column like new bands to watch uh in a section was lisa robinson who's a famous journalist anyway i saw the picture of the band and i said wow because i always like grab you know back then without internet uh, you know, of course, he had radio, but a lot of times I just went into record stores and just looked at things, but by covers. And I said, "Well, that looks heavy." <laughs> you yeah, know, and exactly. he just bought it. Yeah, you, you, a lot of times I just discovered music by just taking a chance. Because you know, I mean, it, it's all it's all relative to the economy. But I mean, a a vinyl album back then was two ninety nine. Right. Back in those days, and so you took chances, and then you know when. You know, there were more record stores popping up, and sometimes there'd be used record stores. You know, you could take even more chances because you could buy something for a buck and a quarter, a buck and a half by just combing the bins. So, you know, I looked at them and I said, wow. <laughs> I go, that looks great. I've never seen anything like that before. You know, and I made, you know, I had my little network of kind of like hard rock and metal dudes in the Chicago land area, and of course in Rockford, Aurora, and things like that. And, you know, we got together, you know, for shows or just got together to have a few beers somewhere, even though we were underage. But we, um, you know, my friends in uh, Rockford found out that they were playing, they were playing at NIU, at DeKalb. He saw the same picture on a flyer because, you know, that, because Cheap Trick used to play there all the time. So I guess he being there, DeKalb, Rockford was so close he let me know about it, and then I just drove up. You know, it's a quick drive. It's only like an hour and a half on Golf Golf Road at the time. You just took Golf Road all the way there. And um, it was a free show on top of it, you know, because they were just trying to get Ru going. Rush and, and Kiss, a free show. Think about that now. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and also you think about, you know, it was funny back in those days, bands like Rush, of course, you know, Ario and Sticks were from the area. Bloister called Aerosmith. Nugent was from kind of the area, Detroit, and he migrated to Chicago. A lot of bands came that way and played colleges and high schools to kind of sharpen it up in the Midwest and then take it out on the, their first big tour. So Kiss was one of those bands, obviously, but of course, probably with the home office of Mercury. They could. They were there to shepherd them and help them and be there for them along the way. But that was the first show, and if you know, I think you saw the pictures. The only thing between me and them were velvet ropes. It's crazy. That was the, that was the 
the wall, and there was no security in front of us because I guess you know. And they also back then you didn't stand. You sat, you know, you sat and you crossed your legs. <laughs> as crazy as that's, I know as crazy as it sounds, and that. So it was, it was an amazing show. I mean, I've never seen anything like it before. You know, it was, it was their most archaic outfits, but at the same time, if you think of it relative to the time, how different it was from everything else. Now, were they doing, were they doing any pyro at that show? Do you remember yeah. anything special no, no, about no, the no, show? No, 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 pyro because, yeah, no pyro. In fact, if you look at the pictures, the their kiss, their big sign, their blinking sign, they had to put it on the ground. There was nowhere to put it. Uh, the only thing was Gene was doing the fire. Did he spit the blood too? He spit, yeah, he spit the fire out. So what, what was, what do you recall the reaction of, of yourself and the audience when you saw stuff like Gene breathing fire and spitting blood? Never seen anything like it. It was like, I mean, you know, remember, we're young dudes. We're like, whoa, dude, check that out. I mean, you know, and if you think about, you know, as they progressed into the spectacle and everything that we talked about before, if you think about that first album, it's pretty heavy, you know, for the yeah. time. And if you take that, if you take the cover, which almost seems like the devil's version of Meet the Beatles, you know, with the foreheads, and then you take the show with the fire, the blood, and just the heaviness of the songs, you know, Strutter and, you know, Black Diamond and all that stuff. I mean, it was like, whoa, I mean, this is great. You know, I mean, it was really great. I mean, it was like, we were just like mesmerized by the whole thing. Uh, you know, just this simplicity of the of the theatrics, I guess, in a bit, and you throw in a little bit of the fire and blood, and we were just, and just you throw in even like the kissing blinking to my face. I was like, this is incredible. And, and, and you, I mean, do you recall, I mean, I guess we all know this looking back, but at that time, nobody else was doing anything like that, right? So when, no you, one, when you saw nothing. this in concert, you were just like, all of your senses were just like overwhelmed? overwhelmed i i couldn't believe it none of us could believe it it was just like wow i mean there was nothing ever like this because i you know as long as i can remember as a kid i was buying records and discovering music and going to the record store and I, you know i never saw anything like that before you know and it just and i was like i loved it and loved them and you know, as they progressed, and we've seen, you know, like any long band that's been around 40 years, 30 years, 25 years, I mean, things change, members change, sound changes, I mean, they took off the makeup, they put back the makeup, I mean, it's a long, long career, it's a long story. Obviously, they're finishing this thing up with a bang, but think about it, from that very beginning, we were like, this was unreal. Do you recall at that time, was anybody you were with or in the audience um, taking the attitude of, oh, my God, they're not real musicians. Look at they're wearing makeup. They're in costumes. I mean, was 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 there any of that going on? No, because that the music was no, no, because the music was so heavy 
And I mean, I thought, you know, like when I listened to that album and I listened, you know, and, and then I think about those days, but then I listened to the album. And then, of course, you hear some of those songs in this current end of the road tour. I still say those songs are great. They're my favorite songs. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm assuming that people just accepted it because it was such an amazing thing to see. It was because the music spoke for itself. That was the thing. And then, you know, if you take what the demonic gene and with the fire and blood and you take, you know, specifically Paul with the way he moved around and all this other stuff. I mean, it was a real, these guys were showmen then. And, you know, obviously it progressed into what, you know, with all the hydraulics and everything else that became and and pyro and everything. But back then it was over the top to just, you know, again, you know, just going to the show, it was like over the top, nothing I've ever seen before. Do you do you have a rough idea how many people were at that show? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, I'm going to guess, you know, just as a guess, uh, thinking about the venue, because, you know, I ended up going to school there and seeing other shows there, and it was a free show, and they were unknown. Uh, I'm going to just say that probably about, you know, a thousand plus. Okay. Wow. Okay. What Which was, is, you know, I mean, free show. You're, you know, it, you got your all your college kids. They got nothing better to do. Why not? Sure. What was your impression of guessing. Rush? Yeah, I'm just guessing. You know, from that aspect, just by eye, you know, thinking back and eyeballing and and all that other stuff. I mean, certainly down the road, that place, you know, you had the Grateful Dead play there in their height, and so did Jethro Tull, and the list goes on and on. What do you, what do you recall about Rush? Were you a Rush fan at the well, time? Well, Rush, Rush was, that was in 75, when I got introduced to Rush through KISS, with two shows they did at Friend High School in Wheeling, which was a 450 ticket, but it was a benefit for the football team. And then they played the Rockford Armory as well. And again, another Mercury band. So obviously they paired them together. And if you listen to that first Rush record, you know, again, it's the same thing. It just was so heavy comparative to where they ended up into being a prog band. I mean, it's completely different, and you matched them up together, and it was like the show was just amazing. That you know, both shows, but the Rockford show was a you know, the high school show was a high school show, but the Rockford show was like a you know, it was a uh, it was the Armory, so it was like one of those kind of places. And and in fact, I got my first Kiss merchandise there. They came up with a poster. Uh, Botwell came out with a poster. That was my first piece of merch that I bought. I, I was I was going to ask you what what sort of merch was being sold at these very early shows. That was it. That's it. The poster. Wow. Isn't that crazy? How archaic it was back then. It, it didn't develop yet, you know, into what it became with Bill and and Ron in terms of merchandise. The the um, high school show and and Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. Aren't there photos of that high school show out circulating? Mark? Nope. Did we lose Mark? 
I guess we might have. Um, I'm pretty sure there's photos of that I, circulating. I think there is, actually. You know, I just a put couple. the flyer up, cause, you know, but I believe there is out there. And the story, you know, of it all. Yeah, yeah. So was was it any different seeing them in a small high school auditorium from what you'd seen previously? Well, I just think that when you get it, once you leave the school auditorium, you put it in a, in a true, let's say the Rockford Army, which, which we had regular concerts ongoing, your production gets better, you're on a bigger stage, you know, everything becomes bigger all of a sudden. Now, you can't, they, they're not having all the, they're not yet at the pyro stage and all that, except for the fire and blood, but they're, but if the show is now starting to progress, they have more room to work with. You know, they can start the show later because it's not just a, a, a school, you know, so there's different, you know, time frames. So things all of a sudden ramp up a bit. Right, right, right. It, it was the progression now of start things to happen. And, of course, you know, if you go, that's 75. If you go back to 74, after they played DeKalb, they came to Chicago for the first time and played the Aragon. And they opened for T-Rex, so that was my only time to see Mark Bolin. And UFO, who got their, remember, they were a kind of a German prog band prior. Then they got their deal with Chrysalis, and that was their first tour, opening for Kiss, then opening for T-Rex. Jim, you, you, it, the, the bands you saw so early on, that's just incredible to... You know, to well, be able to be able to yeah. look back, you know, obviously at the time you were just a kid hanging out seeing cool bands and yeah. little did you know that decades later you would be seeing, you know, the birth of some very big bands. Yeah, you know, it's well, I was conveniently located too, because where I grew up in Chicago, I could I technically I could ride my bike to the Aragon Ballroom. You know, and then, you know, like I said, like going to uh, Rockford or DeKalb was like an hour and a half, not even taking a freeway at the time. You just took Gulf Road. If you do, if you remember that road, mm -hmm. it kind of started, yeah, by the airport and it took its way. It started six, Highway 64, which is just a, a two lane highway where the original Portillo's is, actually. Yep. And um, yeah, so it was. You know, everything was easy. I mean, just same thing going to, uh, took golf road to go to Woodfield back then. Yep. Yeah, because Wood, so Woodfield uh, is right yeah. on golf road. Yeah, so everything was like that simplicity of things, and it made everything was easy. And, you know, I, I'm sure everybody in any town, whether it was Detroit or Cleveland, kind of had the same thing going on. I guess it just depends on maybe age as well that you you're able to go to things you know the good news is you see things then the bad news is you're older right you know that's just that's the trade-off do you do you recall at those early shows 74 75 was the band coming out and meeting fans would they hang out you know backstage no i never meet I, the fans for, i never noticed that because i would have been there but that my big shot was you know, back to 74, the Kissathon, because then I finally met them. So, so b before we jump to the, the, the great kiss-off, as, as you saw these shows in 74 and 75, and, 
And, you know, you're in Chicago, which, like you said early on, is a hotbed for rock and roll and hard rock and metal and stuff like that. I mean, the Midwest in general is. Yeah. Um, do you recall the buzz growing on Kiss very early amongst your friends, you know, who were like, Absolutely. oh, my God, you got to see this, or I saw this, or what is, what what was the buzz like amongst Kiss fans way back then? It was a, I think it just just as we know the loyalty over the years of, of the KISS Army, that's how quick it, it grew. You know, the word of mouth, the show, uh, the, just the whole theatrics, everything that started to, as they escalated um, slowly, you know, as they moved up the ladder uh, where they become their own show in a, in a bigger size venue like the Aragon, etc. All of that all of that started, the word of mouth just became uh, like a wildfire. You know, that, that again, that had to be so cool to be, be there for the spark, the birth of all of this. Consider it lucky. Right place, <laughs> right, right place, time. right time. Exactly, exactly. Right place. And it probably, like I said, if you, if you go back, if you rethink it, probably because of Mercury being there, that, that probably was a nice, that helped. So, you know, other than, other than uh, everything, meaning makeup, costumes, breathing fire, splitting, spitting blood, was there something that you walked away from the show going, oh my God, that song was amazing, or that solo by Ace Fraley was incredible? What what were some of your I, your very specific memories of those shows? Well, you know, again, I I think it's obviously the first thing comes to mind is going to be just them coming out and their outfits and their their heels and the whole thing. I think the fire and the the blood is probably the most. You know, you're a young metal dude. You're like, holy shit, it's Satan, or you know, what I mean, it's <laughs> like you know, it's good. wow, it's the devil himself. He's breathing fire at us, you know, and that type of thing. And then I think uh, with Peter, he he started to bring out, they had an hydraulic that raised him up, not that high as what we know today, but it was, it was the first time I've ever seen anything like that as well, you know, where this hydraulic picks him up, uh, you know, during Black Diamond. And I think if you, if you, and then they were the first band really that I can remember, like that were throwing picks with their logo and names on them. So that was a whole other recognizable thing. Like, you know, wow, I, I got a pick off the floor. Yeah, you <laughs> know, never think so. about stuff like that, but you're absolutely no, right. No, I mean, because, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I mean, the Blackmore had his fucking, you know, was throwing his picks off the, you know, a mic stand or anything like that. Yeah, wow. I mean, think about yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, wow, I got a kiss pick. It, you know, all of the stuff that we take for granted now was was truly groundbreaking back in 74, 75 when you were witnessing it. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of bands kind of broke out of there at that time with Aerosmith and Bloister Cult, etc., uh, and then some became arena rock bands, ironically. But, you know, that era was great. It just, it was a transitional era between 
I guess what you would say the late, you know, obviously the sixties, the kind of just, you know, with, with your wah-wahs and fuzz tones and all of that stuff and big stacks of Marshall amps, you know, with, you know, with Hendrix and all the other great guitar players. And then it kind of morphed into what we, all of those bands, those American bands that, you know, became kind of like hard rocking bands. And that kind of carried you through that, that period of time because there was really, there was really nothing. I mean, when you take like, you know, early Priest, remember they were on Janus Records with their first record before, you know, they came on to, you know, uh, Columbia later. Uh, UFO and Scorpions were, were German progressive bands. Scorpions was on Billingsgate Records. Um, ACDC was on Albert Records. I mean, those were that. They were they didn't even have U.S. deals at the time, but all that eventually started to happen, and that kind of carried us through. And then came that band in seventy. You know, and of course you had Sabbath, who kind of just was a little earlier. That was like seventy-one or something like, or seventy. Well, but seventy-nine then it, it, was the very first. first Sabbath you st- stand corrected, and that. Oh no no you know, no no hold on. no! It was it was Friday the thirteenth, nineteen seventy. Okay, yeah, because every because right now we're in the big anniversary. Yeah, we're in the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, but then it, it th- that carried us through the seventies till you got to that band from that little band from uh, L.A. Van Halen, which was a whole other revolutionary thing with the guitar and that from Hendrix to Van Halen that kind of changed. That was another game changer. But that whole seventies thing was. Like I said, it was Nugent and Aerosmith and Kiss and Bloyster Cult and UFO and Priest and Scorps. Got to throw in Deep Purple. Uh, yeah, and DP. I mean, you know, DP, of course, I think, well, if you think about the, yeah, because they came from the, when they were on Telegram, Telegrammation Records, uh, what was it, Dick Gregory's label, you know, with, yes. with Rod Evans. Bill and Cosby. Then, it was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby, I think they were partners in it, actually. Yes, correct. I believe yeah. they were partners Why in it, and of course, <laughs> yeah, and then it morphed into the Warner Brothers deal, and you know that was a whole another thing. And again, I discovered uh, ZZ Top because a Warner Brothers act opening for Deep Purple, a Warner Brothers act, and that was another one that I was like. Whoa. <laughs> and another Warner Brothers, the most obvious would be Alice Cooper for the Kiss. Uh, and, uh, and AC. So it was really, a, it was a great time because it was all fresh and new. It was guitar players really kind of expanding themselves, you know, in a, in a different way because you had the fuzz tones and the leads and obviously Hendrix did what he did. And then you, you had all these guys doing these long jams and guitar solos and stuff like that. And they all had their own style. Cause you know, they, some came from different parts of the world and it, I just, well, was you a, know what? Just we, Tommy and I were with Tommy Thayer yesterday. And we were talking uh, about that very subject because, you know, if you were in the seventies, you could have had Nugent, Blackmore, Iomi, Clapton, you know, at all. And if you would have said, just hit an A chord, you could tell who each one of them was. Yeah, Whereas they today, all have their own style. Is, correct, correct. Whereas today, yeah. everything is so, you know, overproduced and just a yeah. lot of the drop D with the, you know, everything sounds like a chukka chukka. You know what I mean? It's it's there was I no know. character to it because Nugent and, sounded different from Billy Gibbons, who sounded different 
you know, from Richie Blackmore and, yeah. and to something different from Van Halen and yeah, it was it was a great time for tones and, and then guitar playing. If, if you throw in like the first two Queen records, how Brian May and that band sounded much different than what they became. You know, that was oh, a whole, sure. whole other Listen thing. To stuff they, like the great the great the great King Rat and stuff like that yeah. off the you know, and the then of course yeah, Frank Marino back then, Robin Trollin, oh, yeah. he, but he became his own guy after Procol Harum. It was really that 70s was a... a and let's not a, forget Mr. Ronnie Montrose with the... Oh, uh, my God. Uh, that, Jesus. That, I mean, like, is, you're right. Was the, that was the game changer because you would not have Van Halen without uh, without that. I mean, that I, was the template for so much. I, you're right. I, I heard that record for the first time. I was, like, in awe, in awe. Well, and, and to me, that's, that's one of the things that's so interesting about your story. And that's the piece that I always wonder if we fail at as a, as a show is I don't know how you quantify the feeling of seeing it for the first time because now with MTV and all the different things that have happened, it's really hard to show people what it was truly like to see Kiss for the first time in 1974, like you were saying, and they were throwing guitar picks out all these things that you'd never seen before. Yeah, it, everything was a first. You know, you were discovering first, and, and all of this, they were all, I guess it was all game changers, because all these guys, like you said, had all, their own styles. They all, they, they, you're seeing them for the first time. I mean, you, there was, you know, it was really an underground thing in most cases. You found out about the record, you, your friends, you turned all each other on about it. I, I've, here, I'm turning you on to this first, you know, so we're all turning everybody on to everything, you know, and we're all just enjoying enjoying the ride of of learning about all these bands. And then they come through for the first time, and then you're like, it's all jaw dropping because you've never seen any. Like I said, if you're going to see Montrose for the first time, or you're going to see Kiss for the first time. You're just looking at it all, going like, you know, wow. <laughs> you're just and, and, a young and, metal and, dude, and, and, and you're and just it's like, the, in, it's seeing them for the first time when most likely they're not getting any radio airplay. They're no. they're not on TV. Um, you know, you might have some magazine somewhere that's got a little mention of it. But you are literally discovering unknown bands for the first time. I mean, just that, that, that story of you discovered ZZ Top because they were opening for Deep Purple. Now, you say, you say, that, no you say, you say that in 2020 and people are like, <laughs> whatever, okay. But you're like, no, right. way back then, ZZ Top was unknown. Nobody knew who they were, unless maybe you were from fact, Texas. In fact, back then, back in the day, you know, if if the opening band wasn't up to snuff, in most cases, I felt bad because you, you threw anything you threw at them, you know, like <laughs> you're not beer bottles, but you threw like, you know, you'll throw the cups, you'll throw anything you can throw that they, they can give you at them. And I, and I was always like one of those like young dudes that go, man, these dudes better be heavy, man. Or they're they're gonna get a piece of this, you know. <laughs> and I remember I remember seeing ZZ Top open for that Made in Japan tour, and I was like, "What the heck?" I go like, "Wow!" I go like, "It was the same kind of you know that 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 wow factor." Among yeah, amongst it's, all of uh, amongst all of your friends, as you were discovering all of these bands you've been rattling off for the first time, how did 
Kiss rank amongst all of your friends? Was was Kiss always like at the top? Were they were they always not quite as good as Zeppelin and Deep Purple? How how did they land for you guys? I think because of the image was bigger than life, and as each album came, you know, as each album went along, they became bigger. Their show became bigger. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they weren't. They they were a little more simplex in some ways, but in but heavy and great songs that are so memorable to me and maybe they didn't have quite the musicianship of some of the other guys but they made it up with the whole package in the image and you just it was so recognizable you know whether it was you know hotter than hell and you know dressed to kill you know just all of it i mean we were just, just and then by the time you got the kiss alive from detroit of course you know, we were like, that album, we were just blown away, blown away, because they really now had, like, blossomed into their own. They've got more theatrics. they got, you know, pyro. they got all that stuff going on. So they, that, that album just sounded so much better than the studio records. I mean, oh, when you listen it's to amazing. this day, when you listen to Kissel, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's because, funny, you know, all the records are. Yeah, because you can, I mean, the studio records were good, but when you saw them live and they ramped it up with everything else going on, you were like, wow, you know, I mean, it was just, it was just incredible. I mean, and that's why you became a loyal Kiss fan. And obviously they probably have this, this fan base is so rabid and they will spend so much money for all the different packages we've talked about, you know, in any rural town it's worth it to them because of the memories and the everything that they've seen over the years. I, I think it's one of the, probably one of the most, the reason they can keep pulling off what they do and make things and make things available and things that are high ticket items is because they've probably got one of the biggest loyalist base in the whole world. They, they, they definitely do. And, and, and they've been fortunate to create do things to create a lot of memories for their fan base. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're giving fans the opportunity to relive those memories. That first time you yes. saw Kiss, the first time you heard Kiss, the first time you bought Kiss. And, and, and it's not just for the people like you who were there from 74 onward, but, you know, the people who discovered Kiss in 2004 – they're reliving yeah. the memory, and I, you know, I from a from a pure marketing standpoint, if you can get your customers to bring up those emotions, those memories, those feelings, they're going to support you. That's what Absolutely. you want. It's not just do it because we're touring. It's like do it because we're playing that song that meant so much to you. And they were good people. They're yes. good people. And that really goes a long way. They're kind people. Uh, they do the right things with benefits and raising things, or like when they did the military houses and you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, it just goes on and on. That they're just good people. Now, now, and now, that goes a long way with your fans. Jim, you since you were there from the beginning, and you've been in the Kiss world ever since then. When, especially back into the 70s, when do you remember 
Kiss all of a sudden not being cool anymore? Well, I, I well, it was a little weird for me with the uh, I was made for loving you. It was like I was a little lost. I went to the show. It was at Chicago Stadium, actually. Um, but I was a little lost on the direction of where they were going because obviously they were kind of doing the whole Casablanca thing during the whole disco era. And then, you know, then uh, shortly, I guess later, then, you know, they was it later than the, the makeup came off? Yeah, so that would have been 79. The makeup came off in 83. So it sounds like you, sounds like you, you checked out for a little bit then. Yeah, I checked out for a little while, but I did go... You know, I did. I, I went to a couple shows without, like Animal Eyes, you know, things like that. And but I was a little bit like confused by the whole thing. You know, why why do this? I mean, there's no reason because the the thing about you guys are, it's the whole package. But you know, I, I guess all bands during this their this long journey that they have. They experiment with different things and try different things, and you know they find out if it works, it doesn't work. You know they go back to what they should do and give the fans what they want. Well, you know we we've talked about this many times on the show, and I think we could probably all discuss this, but especially from '79 when Dynasty came out to '83 yeah. when the makeup came off. You know they did the Dynasty album, which was that first time when people were sort of like you going I'm not quite sure what's going on and then they yeah. fo- then they follow it up with Kiss Unmasked which is yeah. even more of a departure and then they follow that up with Music from the Elder which yeah. now yeah. now looking back from 2020 people will have a whole different view of that but as the four of us can attest when we were there Music from the Elder was literally the death of kiss in the united states they were lucky they they were lucky to have been able to come out of that and do anything because all of a sudden the makeup was looked at before all the music and they were just a joke they and even when creatures of the night came out which you know creatures of the night is a heavy album that's heavy metal yeah um, Great record. That that never got its its dues because the public, the industry at that point in time was like, no, oh, Kiss is just this kitty band wearing makeup. You know, they can't play all the stuff we've all heard. The makeup had to come off in order for them to try and survive, I think. Yeah. No, I know. You know, you try things and all that. I mean, like they, like you said, they lost me there for a while. I was kind of confused and, you know, what we're talking like early 80s now, now the whole new wave of heavy metal is starting to ramp up. I'm starting to move into the whole Metallica world and thrash world and uh, moving away, you know, so you can kind of, they became characterized, I guess, if you want to put them in the slow quote unquote hairband world. So you got like Motley Crue is kind of like, throwing some makeup on here or there and then you've got an even a more feminine version like with poison and that's all they're lumped into all that all of a sudden and they really shouldn't be but they are because there's this whole thrash movement happening well now. and 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 mark share share your story about how you had uh, was it kiss on mast on one side of a cassette yeah and- yeah 
Yeah, 19, 1980, um, you know, my friend, I'm sure you did this too. My friends and I, you know, we carry our jam boxes around, and I remember in 1980 on one side of the cassette was Unmasked, and on the other side of the cassette was Women and Children First. And guess which album we played continuously, and guess oh. what side probably never got played when we were hanging oh, out. I can because imagine. Kiss, because Kiss just, they dropped the fucking ball. Don't get me wrong, I, and, yeah. and this is for the Kiss fans. I like Unmasked, but if... If you go to the contemporaries at the time, from Nugent Scream Dream to Animal Magnetism, and you know from the Scorpions and Motorhead, yeah. you know Overkill and 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 Iron Maiden and Sabbath doing Heaven and Hell, and you know and Van Halen. Come on, Ozzy's first couple of records. You really think that that if a 15, 16 year old kid in 1980 wanted to listen to Shandy? No, man, yeah. because timeline tells you otherwise. We wanted yeah. the mob rules. We wanted over the yeah. mountain. You know, that's what we wanted. Scream yeah. dream. That's what we fucking wanted. And damn it, that's what we got. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got. And yeah. that's where we went, you know, because that's, that's the direction we went into. And, you know, and it's, uh, but like I said, I mean, it's a long career, a long journey. And, you, I guess you try things and you do things, and I mean, even look, think about Van Halen when you know you go from David, and then you went to Sammy, which was a little more commercialized, even further, and then there was the Gary Sharon thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I guess you know that's the yeah, way it goes. Funny with, with, it's funny with Van Halen because I always jokingly say that 1984 was the first Van Hagar record, and the reason yeah, I say that. Yeah, if that I, sure it, as fuck wasn't women and children first, and that sure as fuck wasn't fair warning. It <laughs> certainly know? was not. Yeah, was, it certainly was not. You know, and I was lucky, you know, and much like you, because, you know, you grew up in Chicago. You know, I grew up in Detroit at Cobo Hall. And, you know, I, I remember seeing Van Halen on the women and children first and fair warning yeah. tours and, you know, multiple yeah. nights. And the, those shows were let me tell you, there was no corporate rock about that. That was in your face, hard rock, and you know that that was just the shit, boy. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. And I, that's I, what you know. That's what I mean. Kiss doing, you know, music from the elder or, or unmasked was so anti what the fifteen, sixteen-year-old burgeoning metal scene was all about. You know it. Kiss was the antithesis of that. Kiss really it didn't fit. Kiss really tested your devotion as a fan for those few years. It was like either are you gonna are you gonna stick through it? Because listen, I I stuck through it, but I sure as hell was like, what the hell is on when Unmasked came out, I hated it. Now, you know, forty years later, I've got much more love for it. But back then, when you were a young kid, yeah, you were just like, I'm buying it because it's a Kiss album. But, okay, I'm not listening to it a second time because there's nothing good on it. There was no metal on this album. I remember my friends and I, we liked, at the time, now, again, timeline is everything. I remember going, is that used pretty cool? You know what I mean? But it it didn't, the the, the Kiss from Kiss Alive, and, and, and here's something that's even crazier when you think about it side four of alive two was only a couple years difference you know 
um, to, 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 uh, you know, that whole new wave of British heavy metal and the yeah. American hard rock. And it, so, I mean, Kiss was right up there with, with the sound and the tones and, you know, rocket ride and, you know, larger than life and all American man, that's the fucking stuff we wanted, but that's yeah. not what we got. And, uh, you know, don't, don't, be, don't get me wrong. There were some glimpses on Dynasty. You know, Charisma it was still rocked hard. The Ace song still rocked hard. You know what I mean? Um, but, boy, you know. It, it, let's put it I this way. I love that record. Those, so, those, 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 those albums were not rock and roll over. They were, they, you know, unmasked. And Dynasty compared to Rock and Roll Over is like comparing Van Hagar to Van Halen. It's same band, yeah, very much. but it's a completely different sounding band. Right. Yes, it's absolutely. But I love it. I loved right. all that stuff just as much, but for a different reason. You know. So, 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 Jim, let's let's backtrack here again because I really want to. I want to hear about the great Kiss Off. So for our listeners who don't hey, hey, know, before we before we get in, Michael, before we get into that um, earlier, I don't know if you know, I, I kind of bobbed out for. I've got some family stuff I have to take care of. Okay. So I'm going to probably be um, ditching the conversation here in about five ten minutes. I just want to say, great job! I'm going to keep going until I have to go. But uh, just to let you know, I am going to be okay. having, unfortunately, to get out of this because I'm having a lot of fun. But uh, family first, and. Uh, yeah, do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, we am. I'll. Uh, it, anyways, uh, nice right, to meet you. Stuff. In case you know, yeah, escape nice together. To you too. So, so, so. So, uh, continue on. So, I'm sorry, so I just want to let you know because I'm just going to bow out in in, in, in a few. So, so for our listeners yeah. who don't know, the great kiss off happened at Woodfield Mall in the suburbs of Chicago, and it was the Schaumburg. Cul- Schaumburg. It was the. It was the culmination of a bunch of regional kissing contests that mm. Casablanca set up to promote the debut album. And the winners at these regional radio stations slash cities were all brought to Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois, for the final great kiss-off. And, you know, do do some Googling, do some Internet searching. You'll, you'll find out what this was all about. Um... You, Jim, are the first person I've encountered who actually was there. I mean, we've heard the stories about this, but I've never been able to talk to somebody who was actually at the final Great Kiss Off event. So how did you hear about this event, first of all? Uh, You know, you heard it from your local record store. They have flyers up and things. Because again, everything is word of mouth that way. And also, uh, let's see, the radio station was, I think WCFL was involved in that as well. So that helped promote it. And I, you know, and it was at, um, what do you call it? Disc Records. They had a store in the mall. Ironically, once that I opened the door with the, you know, with that story, there was a guy, Jim Manfrey, which is on my little you know, on my Facebook page, who became a Warner Brothers guy, but he was a store manager at the time, and he actually shared some pictures of the winners with with uh, with the band and that, which I think was fantastic. So, so when so, I first, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say. So, so you learned about this 
you know, like we learned about anything as a kid back then from the record stores, word of mouth, radio station. Um, you, you by chance didn't keep any of the flyers you saw in, in the record store, did you? No, no, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. That's, you know, I've moved so many, you know, I think we talked about this. I've relocated like to eight different cities. You know, when you relocate as many times as you do, you 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 start getting tired of carrying stuff away, you know, and you start giving it away, throwing it out, and you just, you know, then later you're like, oh, I wish I had that, you know. But just the way it goes, if you've been collecting this stuff for years and years, if I were one place, it'd be great. But I've I've moved so many times, and that that includes not only just all the stuff. Think about all the music we talked about trying to move, you know. Yeah. So, so, unfortunately, not. So that, that's why I googled a lot of that stuff, my memories, to get flyers or you know get information to kind of like put well, together. I think I just had some. You know, I just you know, I, the one thing I did keep was the "I was here" button, you know, the from the LA uh-huh, forum from and LA. all that. But oh, yeah, cool. from LA. Well, and I, I, well, I'm sorry, I was just gonna say that's that's why. Um, the, you know, the stuff is collectible because when we were younger and we were doing this, you're in the moment. You're not thinking about saving all the flyers or the, all of that stuff. It just kind of goes by the wayside. And then yeah. when you move and everything, you lose things. And one thing, you, you know, leads to another. And all of a sudden you don't have anything you used to have anymore. I know, I know. It kills me, but what are you going to do? You can't go back in time. At least I have the memories in my head as long as my brain well, cells are no, working. No, yeah. I mean, you were, you exactly. were, you were there, and, and, and that in itself is, is incredible that you can share the stories from being there firsthand, not us just Googling and finding somebody who posted a flyer or a poster or something and looking at some photos. So, so talk to us about about the event so did you go alone did you and your friends go i went with my little buds <laughs> you know we you know we did all that stuff together so somebody's got to drive so huh. here you're driving today <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know we didn't bring any beer with us to that so we just you know we just went and our, the, the whole thing was to meet kiss finally we're gonna meet the band so, so wow. you weren't you weren't going there necessarily because you wanted to see this great kissing contest. You wanted to meet the band for the first time. Absolutely, I could care less about the kiss off. I I wanted to meet the band. And and when like, when, was... when you guys got there, so for those who don't know, Woodfield Mall is a is a pretty big indoor mall, and it, it's got a nice large central atrium area that's got yeah. like. I don't know how you sunk tiered steps that are also, at least if I remember, carpeted and you could walk down into the lower area. So it was just this central area within this big mall that the kissing contest was set up. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And and it was, you know, I walked in and I said, oh, my God, (laughs) Like look at all these, you know, cots. And people like got they got their lips locked and, and signs and things like that. It was a spectacle, of course, a spectacle. That's what they wanted. A was was, it, was there a crowd there? Was there a good sized crowd? Good sized crowd there as well, because there was so much interest in this whole thing. And I guess that's what they wanted to pull off, at least you know the the label and and Bill, uh, and to try to create some sort of like 
again, more noise about the band and more noise of, you know, trying to connect the dots between the band and this event. But the event to me, and, and even when I talked to Paul recently, the event was much bigger than the band. And he said, nobody cared about the band. They cared about the, the kiss off. I was the reversal yeah, now, role. Michael, I don't have, obviously, cause I'm riding in the car or, uh, can you, because for is, cause I heard the same thing. Those things were all well attended, but the single, what was the chart success for that? Cause it wasn't that high. It was, I, I think it was between 50 and 80 or something. Yeah, it was, I mean, for, it, it was, didn't... it was for the single kiss in time. And, you know, and, and, and Which was that, that was the purpose of that whole thing was to make that single do well. Right. Because you they, know, the, 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 the cities that were mentioned in the, the lyrics of Kiss and Time are the cities where they purposely put together kissing contests and everything else. So it was all choreographed marketing stunt. Is the whole thing from well, the that, single said, to the promotion. So it was actually, so it was actually a failure in that part to get the single to decline. But it did get them in a lot of you know music magazines um, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, and it, it also put them, it, you know, if you take like these places that they did these at, it got them in a high volume of people. Now, did all the dots get connected? No, but it, it made noise for the band. It's one, it's one and, of those things where the payoff might not have been directly the Kiss and Time single. The payoff might have been a year later when they came back through and somebody was there and goes, oh, I remember those guys. I'll go, go to their concert. Yeah. Gentlemen, yeah, I got to run. Um, right. God bless you all. all right. uh, Take I care, Mark. talk to you guys later. All right, bye-bye. Take care. So, so, so Jim, when, when you guys... Um, I think Tommy also dropped off. Tom, Tommy's actually backstage at the Kiss show in Nebraska right now. He drove down oh, to go, go to the show. So if he if he jumps back, we'll bring him on. But otherwise, it's just you and I to wrap finish this up. So you walk into the mall with your buddies. You see a crowd of people. You see all these kissing stuff. Um, <laughs> and and. Was anybody in the crowd interested in Kiss that you could tell? Well, I I think everybody was so focused on this. It was such a spectacle, and people were so focused on that. No, I don't think so. I think they were just focused on this Kiss-off and this thing going on that went on for, like, what, 117 hours for the winter, which is kind of, like, unbelievable, you know, that that happened. But, I mean... Yeah, it, it, like I said, I, I don't think it meant anything to anybody because it just created noise. Okay, People I'm... were shopping, you know, families were there. I think mall, I mean, Woodfield Mall, I think at the time was one of the biggest malls in America. Yeah. It was way before Mall of America. Yep. Yep. And that, so it was what it was thought of as one of the super malls, early super malls. So, I mean, and if you think since you lived there, what an anchor that became, because there was nothing there. And now you go down Golf Avenue a- around Schaumburg and it's restaurants and hotels. And, you know, just it's a, it started, it, it created a whole city amongst itself almost. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's what happened. So, you know, it was a place and it was early on with the Woodfield Mall. So it was like, 
oh my God, I can go to this place and they've got, a, you know, like hundreds of stores. I don't have to go anywhere else, you know? So it would be, that became its own thing. And then you throw this thing in top of it. And I think it was like people randomly, you know, they came there, they showed interest, they wanted to see it, but then they go shopping, maybe they come back to it. Nobody was like just, you know, standing there for hours and hours. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I, I was like there, I checked it out, but I just couldn't wait to meet the band. That was my whole thing because that was like, you know, a no nonsense. I'm just a good hard rocking kid who wants to, you know, like, wow, I'm going to meet these dudes finally, you know, after seeing them, you know, twice. So, so before we get into that, do you have any memories? Do you recall seeing TV stations, reporters, photographers? I, I think the radio station it? was, I believe, yeah, I believe the, the local like WGN was there. WCFL was the radio rock and radio station at the time. And that's as much as I can recall, you know, from a media standpoint. I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were press people there too, probably from the Sun Times and and um, and Tribune. I don't know how far, you know, outside of the Chicago metro area that people came, you know, came in for it at the time. I'm sure if the amount of money invested into it, I'm sure that. Casablanca slash Mercury Polygram. I'm sure that they, you know, back in the day, especially when record business was hopping, I'm sure that they probably probably flew in some people for it. But I wouldn't know that because I'm just a kid. Right, right. You're just there and to I, see Kiss. Yeah, I'm a clueless. You know, I I end up in the industry later. You know, but I, I at the time, at the time, I didn't. I was clueless to it all. I mean, I'm just a. I'm just this kid who's a fan and rabid and loves the band and wants to meet the band and I, I'm not even paying attention to anything else. So how do you remember the events unfolding at the Kiss Off? Was it kind of running for obviously for hours and hours and hours? Was the band there the whole time? Did the band show up halfway through? Yeah. Did they just go I, straight it, to the record store? It, as I recall, it was halfway down. And then I think as I recall, as much as I not being exactly, you know, with, again, because I kind of came into it, not at the beginning, not at the end. I waited. It was, I was kind of waiting towards as much of the end as I could so that I could see the band. And then they were, the band was in disc records and I, get, I would just went in there and I was like, that's all I wanted, you know, cause so we had the record company people and you got probably some of the media people, but I'm not paying attention to that because I don't really understand. I understand it, but I don't really understand it because I didn't understand how it all worked at the time with promotion people and uh, the oppressed people and all that stuff. Cause I was, you know, I was just a young kid. So they were in, in, in the record store. Were they just set up like you would imagine a typical in-store? Was there, you know, a table that they were sitting behind, standing behind? Well, yeah, they had a table, and then they were standing. It was, you know, I, I don't know how long they were there for. They probably were there for quite a while because they wanted to try to probably meet as many people as they can because think about it. You're going to watch these people kiss for how long before you kind of say, okay, you know, and then – you you go in there or you go in the store and you you know you get to meet them and take pictures or whatever you did and uh get their autographs and then you know maybe you mill around the ball and go get something to eat and then you come back and you know the people are still kissing you know i don't want to be like a 
you know, keep hanging around, but, you know, I hang around just enough, you know, just because, you know, just to be, to meet him finally and to get an autograph and all the other stuff, you know, just enough I felt like was enough time. But then you can, the mall's the mall. You're a kid, you go running around the mall, you sure. know, you go to go, yeah. So that was a good thing. You, you can make a day of it in somewhat because, you know, you can, and you can always come back and watch the people kiss. They were there. <laughs> what, what do you, how big, yeah. how big was the crowd in the record store to meet the band? Was there much of a I crowd? I think it was kind of, yeah, I think it was, you know, just kind of a, a little bit of a flow coming through all the time. It wasn't overly crazy, but it was kind of consistent, you know, in terms of that. Plus, also remember, if you're a music head back in the day, I mean, that was your, the music, the record store was your kind of like, almost like your church, you know, because mm-hmm. that was your there were, where else would you go? I mean, if you love music, you go to a place like that to discover music, to talk to others about music, to, you know, and that's, so any record store was kind of like, uh, you know, it was a, just a, wow, we're going to a new record store rather than the, you know, like the one skippers, but you know, near, near my house. And then eventually, you know, you had your, your early flip sides and things like that. But I mean, at the time, I mean, that's, that was your kind of like your hub, you know, where you, you hung out. Was, was, was the record store all decked out and kiss posters and promo and not a lot, you know, because there wasn't a lot, you know, I think that whole thing, again, that you're, you're still at the, the stages of, of music merchandise, even from a promotional standpoint, hadn't ramped up enough. It was still early on in the whole thing. You know, you'll have a, I think it was mostly at the time, it was flats. Yeah, you know, album flats cover for the flats. 12 by, yeah. yeah, 12 by 12. So you've got Did them on the printing press. Sharpies? Oh, uh, they, they had, have, you know, they, they, yeah, they had Sharpies. And, well, no, you had your, um, I'm trying to think what we had, <laughs> what he signed out of it. I think it was, you know, pens and, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it was just pens at the time. To tell you the truth, yeah, you see right. all those old Beatle, the Beatle uh, autographs on the back of records. It's all ballpoint ten back then. Yeah, it, so it was, you know, it was all everything was so simplex back then, you know, in from, and that was like my first what I call an in store, you know, in terms of an in store. So again, it's it's it, if it was new to me, it was new to everybody, you know. So I don't think there was any expectation. There was no. You know, I just, wow, I'm going to meet him and, you know, I'm going to get a, whatever I get a napkin sign, that would be happy, you know, whatever. I mean, but that's, you know, that was just, everything was just simple then. That was the yeah, beauty of it. Yeah, changed so much. Well, did you ever take, did, did you ever have any friends that were just like, I can't believe you like this band? Or was it more? No, because we, I think the because, thing. Oh, go well, ahead. I was just going to say, because it. Well, back in the 70s, the other thing I thought that was so exciting about a lot of those rosters is you'd get all types of different bands playing on one bill. Now where wow. it's very much every, all just metal bands or just pop bands or just dance bands, whatever it might be. And it was just always so cool to see the variety. Well, if you, even if you think about that show at the Aragon, okay, Hydra was a southern rock band on Capricorn. It never really made it further. Then came UFO, which was, you know, be, they were obviously a 
German metal band that came out of the Prague world and then progressed with Schenker. And then you've got Kiss, who, you know, we know what Kiss is. And then you kind of have this somewhat glam guy from England, Mark Bolin. Um, it was kind of a very wide open, you know, like I said, it was all four bands. I liked all four bands, but I liked them all differently. And that, I, obviously, probably out of the four, I, it was Kiss and then UFO. Yeah. And that, but I'm, you know, I'm just my, so impressed with, I, I'm just so impressed with your your knowledge of, of music in general. It's very yeah. impressive. Well, I, well, you know, between being a kid and a fan and then being in the business for 30 years, I, I don't know. If, <laughs> I guess I, I, thought, I, I gained something out of all that. <laughs> You know, and a lot of oh, great yeah. experiences. It's been a, you know, it's, it's a nice ride, you know, and, you know, hopefully the ride continues. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to do at least a couple of the Metallica festivals and things like that. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, 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 I went like, I'll tell you, I went to, well, besides we, we had to do, you know, cause I work at Eagle Rock and we put out Kiss Vegas and so Doc, yeah. Doc was another Chicago guy from Palos Heights. He, he asked for us and, you know, all the other licensees to come into Arkansas when they first opened up that Walmart arena. And, you know, yeah. I just, I went to the, it, first of all, I was just blown away by the whole, you know, the acoustic thing. You, you pay for that. And I saw all these blue collar people from Arkansas and I, that the line was a mile, seemed like a mile long. They paid each one of them paid that money. And then they have the old backstage thing with the backdrop, but the, I, the show, I, and I walked away and I, and I said, man, they give you it all. I mean, this is like the, yeah. the total package. I walked away. I didn't have to pay for it, but I mean, it was like, but I was like, I said, if you're a fan and you bought the thing with the acoustic thing, you went backstage and then you had the nice tickets for the show and you wa watched that show, I said, what else could you ask for? They gave you everything. Well, yeah. Well, and, and to I, your point, actually, it's funny. I'm in Lincoln right now, and I was just, as we we're talking, I was watching uh, Keith do a VIP experience for one of the fans. I had, a, you know, doing, trying on the boots and stuff, and just the smiles yeah. were just ear to ear. Just, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it is amazing. No band does these types of things. It's just no, so cool. And, and, and I... And I, I I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. And uh, I just wanted to say one nice other thing about what that show, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just, I didn't mean to switch gears, anything, but I also just, before I forget, I just want to say, I absolutely love the Vegas release. It's just so beautiful. I still watch it all the time. It's so cool. Yeah, it was very well done. And, you know, obviously it's, it's all about the band, you know, I mean, if you got that kind of band and you record them, wow. In that, but I was just going to say, I was lucky enough when I was flying out of Arkansas, I flew with the, the, the military soldier who got the house, you know, oh, they, cool. they, they were doing, they were doing the house as a habitat mm -hmm. thing for a veteran in yeah. every market. And he, he, he actually, he, he was from Pittsburgh, but they brought him in for that, that show, but they give a, you know, one, one veteran, a, a house, but yeah, he said, you know, I, I said, look, dude, I saw you on stage. I said, now I'm seeing it. We're talking on the plane. I go like, how was that? He says, oh, he says, you know, it's, it's a game changer too, because they, 
he comes home. He really doesn't have a whole lot, but he was very nice. He said he, a couple of his other guys that he was in the service with, they share the house together because he has oh, more house than wow. he needs. So he shares the house. Yeah. It was really, it was all, the That's whole thing was so touching. Um, and then, you know, the, they, they brought these kids up and it's just everything they do is so positive that and it's such a plus it's amazing, you know, it just, it really is, you know, and like I said, that whole day of doing things with them, but not, you know, again, being on the, on the industry side, but being a fan, uh, but I, I witnessed it all in a day. If you paid for all that stuff, you just walked away and said, you got so much value and so much of a memory there. It really makes it worth it. It's well thought out. It's not yes. just a, it's not just sometimes you don't get to get an autograph. You don't get to get a picture. They just do the, the shot, you know, with the, you know, and they give you the computerized, they give you the little card and all that for these VIP things. It's very quick, fast on all this other stuff. I mean, I think for that, the, the acoustic set, you can bring as much stuff as you want to get autographed. <laughs> I saw some people, they had so much stuff and they were signing everything for them. I thought it was so cute and so endearing. Yeah, you know? and some people really take that figuratively. You know, like, okay, I'm bringing my whole freaking house with me. And, you know, yes. Probably have, them, yeah. have, probably have them sign the dashboard of their cars. Yes, but, you know, they did it. They signed everything that they brought. It was so cute. I was, like, looking at it all. And it was, like, and it was like a lot of, you know, it was a lot of older folks, too. And, you know, they probably bought most of their collection or stuff. But I thought it was just, you know, it was very nice. And those guys just appreciate their fans and treat them with respect. It's yeah, true. It was, they really, it was, truly it was, do, and they take the time. Yes, definitely. It was just very, very, I don't know. I walked away that day and uh, down, to, and I just said, wow. I just, the, and then I went to dinner with them on the, on the you know, afterwards, too. So we got to talk about some of this stuff, old stuff. I was kept saying to Paul, I was like, remember that? Remember that? <laughs> you know, and he loved it, you know, because he, they, they appreciate their history and how they got from point A to point B to where they're at today. And what they had to do to get there and to work really hard to get there too. So, yeah, and it seems like some some bands kind of dismiss different areas eras for one reason or another, and and you're right. I mean, they really do embrace it. So even like with the '80s stuff during non makeup, you can you can't say they're ignoring it because there's what four songs in the set list right now on tour that's all '80s stuff. So they're you know yeah. that's, a, that's a piece of it right there. So I agree. Yeah, like I said, bands have a long career and they experiment and try things. Everybody does and kind of gets off the wagon. And I went through the whole uh, Priest box set. And after you get past Turbo Lover, I'm kind of like, hmm. (laughs) You know, for a few records, I'm like, wow, what happened here? You know, then they get back on track again, you know. But it's, you know, it's just the way it is over a long career. Well, yeah, any band that is around that long is going to have, you know, a period, a year, two years, five years, where they're just sort of lost direction. 
for whatever reason, especially if you're in that, yeah. especially if you're caught up in the the major label world, the yes. the outside influence of, all right, well, we'll give you your $2 million record advance, but you need a more commercial-sounding hit single this time. Exactly. You know, you know, so is, is that ramped up and more controls to the labels at the time, then things change. You're right. You're exactly right. So, so let let's go back r- real quick here to the great kiss off and and the um, in store that you were at. Um, they were taking pictures. Were they signing anything and everything? Were they taking time yeah. to to talk to the fans, or was it oh, was was yeah. it a move them in and move them out type of thing? No, no, no. It was very like you know loose and easygoing. You know, back like I said, back. Think about it. The only thing between me and the band and DeKalb was a velvet rope. You know, it was much, the, the the times were tamer as well because this stuff hadn't ramped up yet. Nobody's there's no nobody's buying or getting things and flipping them on eBay. I mean, right. this is the the most simplest of times uh, where there's really hardly any or no merchandise at all. There's no promotional things. It's just a flyer, you know, just a handbill, um, you know, and maybe if they made something for that, you know, as they started to progress with flats. I mean, everything is simple. It's no different than, like, you know, I grew up by Wrigley Field. I mean, there was no security. The, the opposing, band, opposing band, the opposing team, let's say the – Giants with Willie Mays and Willie McCovey. They just walk off their bus at Clark and Edison and just walk in. You know, those were simple days back then. So, you know, we didn't ramp it up with the press and media and people selling things and hawking. And, you know, nobody thought about that then. I mean, you know, there's, like I said, it was my first, probably most people might have been one of their first, like, technically an in-store and that for a lot of people, because nobody was like doing anything like that. So, do, what what do you remember? Did you meet all four of the band members first of all? Yeah. So, yeah, what, did, what what did what did you talk about? Did you have anything to talk about? Not a whole lot, except for the DeKalb show and the and the Aragon show, and just and kind of just the short story of how I discovered them. I mean, that's pretty much it. But I'm just a kid, and you know, I'm just simple, and you know. But I think they appreciated the fact that I saw those shows, and the fact that I drove all the way out to DeKalb, which doesn't really isn't that far, but if for a kid it might seem like it's far. But you know, I think. They they were open to talk to anybody and everybody. And again, like I don't have a whole lot to say to them, so I didn't want to be like just hanging around them. Right. So that's where I I I came in. I, I said a few words and talked to each one of them. And I got something signed and you know stuck around a little bit, and watched all the people, and then I said, okay, maybe we got to you know let's go because we don't want to like just... what 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 did they sign? Did they sign a debut album for you? They signed albums. They signed flats. They signed pieces of paper. Whatever you brought, you know, you you know, people. Some people didn't buy the albums, so they just got. It's no different than what I've done in stores. People get napkins signed, right? You know, you know, it's whatever, whatever, whatever you brought in. It was very simple, very archaic in many ways, and and it was just. I think like everything else, these were the 
what they were doing this spectacle is probably like on, on a, if you put it on a grand scale, I, it, again, maybe they didn't get what they wanted out of the radio side, but this is way ahead of anybody else doing anything, really. Because they did this on a national level, and then they brought it to Chicago for a finale. But, you know, I don't think there was really nobody else that could pull something like that off. Do you, you, know? re- do you uh, remember back then any of those other bands that you were fans of? Did any of those bands ever do in-store signing events back no. then? No. No, but the nice thing was is that you can, with your, with your kids you could just wait by the dressing room and they'd come out. No different than waiting for the players to come out of Wrigley Field. to mm-hmm. come out. It was the same simplicity because it was not a lot of us. There were just kids back then. And I think they appreciated that because it wasn't adults harassing them over things, you know, um, in, in, a, in, a, you know in a harassing way. You know, so, like in, when you they know, bring like a when they bring ten drum heads to get signed, right? You know, what I mean, something something obnoxious like that. We're just little kids, you know, and we're like, wow, it's Michael Schenker, you know, or you know, just any of those guys. I mean, we're like, you know, and getting pieces of paper signed, <laughs> simple. Yeah. So not not only were Kiss literally groundbreaking when it came to their their live stage show. It sounds like they were also, they slash Casablanca, their label, and Bill of Coin, were ahead of the curve when it came to these marketing events as well. Exactly. Yes, yes. And that's the thing. I mean, again, it's a, the brilliance of it all, whether it was Bill or if it was, you know, the, if it was the label or, was, or Gene or Paul, it was still brilliant. To do even if you didn't get what you think you were going to get out of it you get something bigger down the road well it, it also right. seems like hey guys I, yeah michael i'm sorry i mean i'm just about to start to turn the music up so i'm going to lose you guys just okay. because I, there's no place i can go where i'll be able to hear you you can't use paul's dressing room no i'm I, i'd rather not do that <laughs> uh. <laughs> i mean be safer to just out of the way that's that's always a good 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 advice yeah definitely so all right man uh, yeah so uh, yeah so thank you so much what an incredible guest thank you so much for being giving of your time like this incredible oh thank you it's an honor yes really is and hopefully we'll get a chance to meet face to face someday i hope so yeah so i'll let you guys finish her up all right take care tommy take care tommy all right bye um, so what I was going to say, Jim, is it seems like, you know, and, and obviously looking back now, we, we all recognize this, but KISS played everything they did up like they were already big superstars. The big show. Absolutely. The big yeah, absolutely. in-store events. Even though, as Paul told you, nobody was there to see KISS. Nobody cared about KISS, but they put on this big event like people were there to see kiss and cared about. Yes. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have, they're the trailblazers and all this. And that's what made them when I think, you know, when you see you, you know, love Ted Nugent, I love Michael Schenker and we, Woody Schenker. And we talk about all these bands that came out of the seventies, but they were so different than them because 
first of all, the makeup and the early theatrics, the blood, the fire, uh, the show, the hydraulics, early hydraulics, you know, and, and, and slowly as that show evolved and got bigger because that you have more room and you got more pl- things that you can more do. Money. More money. More money. You, you, they were much different than everybody else because of what they were pulling off and was so recognizable. And so, I mean, great guitar players, great jamming, everybody had their own style, but they had this thing that was like so different than everybody else. Uh, you know, nobody had hydraulics, right? No, the rising drum, the, well, the whole rising drum stand. I was like, wow, the, what's the, going the, on the, here? the big, the big kiss logo. I mean, that wasn't something you saw at that, the lighted logo. Nobody had those things. You know, maybe those were the early things that they had, but nobody had that. Nobody had bat drops back then. None of that stuff. Spe- that, you, especially you know. when you were a brand new band. Yeah. You, you might you might get that stuff two albums, three albums down the road, but you know, one album out and you know, let's be honest, the the Kiss debut album didn't sell groundbreaking numbers. You know, but here they are putting on a presentation. You know, I always say perception is reality. They create yeah. the perception that they are a massive band. But they were, they, you know, think about their music and what the outlets were to promote their music. It was still very underground. They were an underground band. Yep. They weren't a mainstream band. So they were, you know, it was a discovery thing and a word of mouth thing. That's what they were. And... Again, I mean, if I think about it, even like, remember the early, I mean, like, wow, look at those candelabras up yeah, there, no, yeah. you know, that they had. I thought, wow, that's cool, man. It's like, wow. what I, like, look, look at that you know, spider, was, spider web behind the band on the stage. Yeah. Like, yeah. All that stuff. I mean, what what is this? I mean, it's so different than everything else. And it just got bigger and bigger and, you know, more outrageous as time went on. You know, so you have to give them credit on so many different levels of, you know, from the stage to everything they did up there and how that progressed, even like on the marketing side. And we always talk about the merch and how they're geniuses. But if you think about like if you really break it down, like we just did, they were ahead of the curve on the whole promoting side the, the, the creating a fan where else do you go there's no other way to and tour books yeah and... everything i mean I, I remember getting my first kiss tour program I, it was like wow so now i have a program and a poster i mean those were the early pieces to it and then there came the first t-shirt just with the kiss logo in silver and that i mean i wish i had all that stuff yeah <laughs> but but that's okay. I have the memories. Yep. You can't have it all. Yeah, and that. But exactly. the, yeah, I mean, that was, it was, they were, they were, again, them putting, because I remember when I worked at Flipside Records in high school, uh, they were genius because they ended up being the, besides having Flipside Records, they also had, they were Flipside Celebration Promotion. So they had all those, they did the, they got the band from the point of so B- Jam had them from the beginning, you know, beginnings. Remember that club? Yep. Did you hear about that? So that's where everybody started. Then you went to the Aragon. 
they they then picked them up from the next level would be the auditorium, then the amphitheater, and then uh, Jam to offset that took over Chicago Stadium. But that middle period, when I think about the International Amphitheater on Halstead Avenue, so when you really got to the height of it all, all those '70s bands, they almost made the, they made a they started at beginnings as a club band or an intro to Chicago and made a quick beeline through the Aragon and then jumped over right into the amphitheater. And that was probably about a 11,000 seater at the time. Not big. It was, you know, it was a stockyard. That's what Mm -hmm. it originally was. And so it, but that all that, all those bands like Scorps and, and Rush and Kiss, that's where they ended up playing for the most part, and then became, then if you got to the level, you got to Chicago stadium and then became, then there was the whole arena rock thing and everything just blew up and they ended up at soldier's field. Yep. Yep. But that's, that's it. I mean, that really was how the, how all those bands kind of moved forward and moved quickly through the system and that, and kind of grew and that, but, you 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 had you had mentioned you had a conversation with Paul years later and you told him about you know I was there at the great kiss off and stuff like that and and he commented you know nobody was there for kiss nobody cared about kiss any yeah. do you remember anything else that he shared any of his memories from back then no he just, well he just you know we talked a little bit about the calv and he, you know about that show we talked a little bit about the high school shows you know, we talked about just, I was there, I was fortunate enough to be in that marketplace and to be able to go and be of the age to be able to drive and get around with friends and, and do some of that stuff. And which he was completely impressed with, you know, cause he was like, Whoa, wow, I can't believe it. You know, that you did all that stuff. But then we just talked about, again, it's, it was the, they trailblazed everything. They, they made, they took the, they made the show the, you know, I never really thought about the whole promotion thing until we started talking about it now, but they were, especially me being in the business. I mean, they were so ahead on the mat that as well. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I always joke, I always joke with people. I'm like, yeah, I, I got a college degree. I went to the kiss school of marketing. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. I mean, Geniuses. you know, you, 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 whether you like them or not, doesn't matter. You can learn something from the way they've run their business. And continue to do so. And continue to do so. <laughs> Unbelievably. So so let's um let's fast forward a couple years and you're taking a road trip with your buddy out to Los Angeles. Yes, and so again, no clue what we're doing why we're doing it and what we're going to do. We just want to go to sunny Los Angeles where there's rock and roll and get away from all this, you know, the, you know, from the Midwest for a minute here. And, you know, there's, we have no internet, no cell phones, nothing. And we just got a map, no map quest. Um, And we head out West and, you know, we, we get, get, find a hotel we settled on the Best Western on uh, Sunset, cheap, uh, had a pool, and, and we have our 
beer in the beer. We put our beer, brought our beer in, so I got our beer. And, you know, we, we dial up and find out where a record store is. Remember, you had to use the hotel phone in your room back yeah, then. You, I, you get charged. I, 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 <laughs> I, I remember always pulling out the yellow pages and looking under yeah. record stores and going, yeah. okay, what record stores are around here? And let me go find them. Yeah. And find the record store. And we found Licorice Pizza, which is a, a L.A.-based chain. And we went there, and there, we, lo and behold, we're like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, what? We're here and Kiss is here? Kiss and cheap, cheap trick. trick. Yeah. And we're like, wow, this is dumb luck. You know, we no clue. We just, we were like, unbelievable. It was just unbelievable to go to that thing because, you know, who knew? You know, I mean, we didn't know. <laughs> you know, and it was, um, you know, again, they're now at the height. I mean, you know, they're on that second live record. They're recording. They've got all the pyro. They got everything is hydraulics. You got everything going on. I mean, they're really cranking at this point. Yep. And and we're just like, whoa, you know, because they, they, it's like they took it to a whole other level because they know they're recording this thing. What what what, then, what was course, it like for you, having seen them in '74? to then see them playing the forum in Los Angeles with this huge production and everything else. What, you know, what was your thoughts, your feelings of being able to see that transition? My thoughts were everything that I thought they were and where they were going to go, they did. And they took those basic ideas that I saw in DeKalb and it progressed into that. So every every time you saw them, it, it, at least when you saw them in a place that's, you know, like not the high school, but you saw them in a little bigger venue, there was another add-on, something more added on until they get to the point where you're playing in the, the big stadiums where you've got, you could have the full production and everything else that you want. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you thought they were ahead of the game in 74, when you saw him at Kiss Alive, do the Kiss Alive 2 at the Forum, and that was only, what, what four years? Four-year four, difference? Yeah, basically four years. They went from that to that in four years. That's amazing. That, that, even, even in today's world, that's an incredibly fast explosion. Yes, yes, and it was... It was so fast, and they were, became so big, and you know, I mean, and they gave it to y'all. I mean, you just you went to the show, and you're like, when you thought you in the caliber was wow, you go to you go to the forum, you're going, oh my god, what am I seeing here? This is like, this is like big, way bigger than anything, anything out there. What what was the you know, what was the vibe like at the forum amongst all of the fans there? Was there just oh, jacked, ton, tons of energy? Up. Energy was so high, so high. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was it was the vibe there was so good. And you know, you had a great opening act in Cheap Trick because they really like got off to a great start as well. I think that was um, what do you call it? The second album. Yep. Um, and it was 
you know, and again, when I ended up going to DeKalb for school, um, and them from Rockford, they used to play on their little kind of like mini tour of the Midwest. They played DeKalb once a month. So I used to go see them. I saw them at the beginning stages, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden here they are on the big stage at LA Forum, you know, with Kiss. And I said, I can't believe I'm witnessing all this and it's all by luck because I had no clue what I was going to do in L.A. Yeah, it just, you know, it just kind of shows you that these guys got had a plan in mind. It definitely. And they had a plan. They stuck with the plan, and they succeeded with the plan. You know, and then when I, like I said, when I saw them, I did see, you know, I went to the garden show, but let's just take, let's take Arkansas, which just takes you away from, just the magnitude of Madison Square Garden. They gave it to y'all. And you really got, you know, it was much, I felt much closer to it being in Arkansas because you're just away from everything else. And it just shows you that, you know, when you see uh, what Tommy and uh, Tommy and Gene on the hydraulics, is it? Or, you know, or Paul? I mean, they're so high now. I mean, it's like I'm looking because I'm basically I was like in the first five rows and I'm looking up. I'm going like, and they're on those heels and they're way up there. I'm going like, wow. And the sh- everything and then the confetti and everything. It was just unreal. And what I loved about it again, the endearing part was seeing dad with the kids. And the and dad and the kids all have makeup on. I thought there's so many of that now. It's like well, it's I, I was I was going to ask you that. So at that the L.A. Forum show for the Alive Two recording, were there fans dressing up as Kiss? Would make yes, yeah. It was the beginning stages of it all. Again, like again, they they created a uh, a thing, you know, like so you could like it was cool. To, paint your face and go be, you know, be a cat as an example, right. or, you know, have be the star child or whatever you want to be of the four, be the demon. It, it was that was the beginning stages of fans starting to, you know, do that. Kind, I guess not dress up, but I mean, it was, it, it started to expand the fans view of them par- participating in the whole experience. So, so nobody did that. They they were first to be able to get people to do that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, especially, especially because most of these other, I mean, you know, you're a big Deep Purple fan. How do you dress up like Deep Purple? <laughs> yeah. So it was so, again, so different than anything else that it was cool to paint your face and go to the show. I didn't myself personally, but I mean, I, I just was amazed by how many people painted their faces and came to the show. Now, and... Do you remember what you first were thinking and feeling when you played Alive 2 for the first time? Oh, it was just, it was the, I was there. (laughs) It was it. That was, I was there. I can't believe I was there. I can't believe that I witnessed those shows. I only saw one night, you know, but I mean, I couldn't believe that I actually was part of that you know, and, and saw the experience because, you know, what are the chances of that? 
of, of the ha- being part of the experience. Sure. Very, you know, there wasn't that many live records out, you know, at that time either. Right. So there was really not a lot out there and they were already going on their, their second one. And so it was, it was just mind blowing that I was able to like be part of that. You know, I would have liked to have been part of made in Japan in Japan, but I wasn't, I got, I got made in Chicago, (laughs) you know, but that, but that to be part of that whole thing. And of course, as you, as we, connoisseurs that the still like physical product and you got to look at all the pictures and all the stuff and you were just you know it was it was just mind-blowing the whole experience now now obviously the 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 inside gatefold of alive 2 is historic for kiss fans you know yeah, you know you open beautiful. that you open that up and jaw just drops all the way to the floor we yeah. now we now know looking back that was a staged photo um, yeah. You know, it was all all of their pyro going off all at once. But was that what the show, the real show, was like to you as a kid when you were watching it? I, I just thought that it was like so big and so much going on. Besides the music and watching them, there was so it was it was the first time I can say I was I went, I was being it was overwhelming everything going on there was so much going on on such a big level on you know that it was like uh, you know, we were completely like whew. i mean it was like hitting you in the face every which way yeah it was just you know because i mean they get that then i mean they were so far advanced than anybody else in putting a big show together i mean they really i mean they they're I think that they always were ahead of everybody else in some sort of form or fashion of putting a show together, but then they were at the height there uh, just in this forum and uh, the forum is legendary and it's, and you know, everywhere you looked that you were, you were on sensory overload yep. visually yeah. and, and, and hearing and everything around you. You, you, it's the band, it's everything that the antics and everything going on. And then the crowd and it was just a complete, you know, sensory overload. Let, 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 me, let me ask you if you can compare and contrast. I mean, so you were there for a live two. You were around when Kiss did the 96 reunion. You know, what did they do? Three, yeah. three shows in Chicago and four nights at Madison Square Garden. How would you compare those two points? Because those are basically, it, it, it would be hard for somebody to argue against it. Those are probably two of the biggest points in Kiss's career. Right around Alive I, 2 and right around, right around the reunion, everything was all I, about Kiss. Yeah, yeah I, and I, I think at that point you had the expectation. You were now spoiled. We were spoiled because they have built this thing and grown this thing and made this thing bigger and bigger and bigger that you were now like going to see Kiss Alive 2. I was on this sensory overload. I never seen anything like this before. You you, you were kind of surprised, I'm assuming. You you didn't know what you were going to get. No clue. No clue. And no clue like what I was going to see in DeKalb. But by the time you got past that, you now had 
you had a pretty good sense of what you're going to see and what you're going to get. And you know, it's going to be all amazing, but now you've, you've kind of got it down. You've seen them enough. Uh, you know, their shows and you know, it's everything you want and everything you paid your money for, you're going to get. So you're, you're not as surprised as you were. You just completely satisfied and you, you leave the venue and you're like, wow, that was amazing. But you've already, but you already kind of have an expectation then. Right. I mean, especially because by, by the time 96 rolled around, you've already seen videos from the seventies and you've listened to live albums. Yeah. And, you know, again, you've, you've experienced kiss most likely in some form or another. Um, so you're right. It's not a, it's not a surprise that all of a sudden, these guys are breathing fire and spitting blood and jumping around on stage and pyros and throwing out more off. picks and more. Now you're like expecting those guitar picks. You're right. getting in position right. for the picks. The the, bra- the breaking <laughs> of, the breaking of the guitar by Paul Stanley by '96. Everybody was jockeying for position to get the guitar. You know when he was yeah. doing that in the '70s, people were like, "Holy shit, he's actually breaking his guitar." Nobody realized yeah. it was, you know, a throwaway dummy guitar basically yeah nobody know but it didn't matter because it was just all part of the whole antics nobody was doing that and then on top of that god knows if you were the lucky dude who got it you were like oh my god you know i got a piece of this yeah and probably yeah. took a few punches or yeah, exactly you, know, you, but you, you got you a few got bruises it. So so after the Alive 2 concert, you guys are still in L.A. and you're looking for something to do, and you end up at yeah, the Whiskey. Yeah, and, you know, we, we Runaways were on Mercury Records, too, at the time. Kim Fowley found yep. them, Kim Fowley, and they were signed to Mercury. How ironic, another Mercury act. And, um, you know... I remember buying the album and I look at the girls and I'm going, you know, now I'm at that point now, now I'm a, I'm looking at chicks now <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm looking at them and I'm going like, wow, they're so hot. And then on top of it, it's a good record. And here they are, they're playing the whiskey, which is right, really right down the road from the best Western. And I could, I, we got to go and we went and it was just, it was amazing. It was just such a great experience, you know, again, going to the whiskey for the first time and, 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 you know, going to that show and, you know, gazing at them, you know, cause you know, we're just like, wow, they're hot, you know? And, you know, it was, a, it was so much fun. It was such a great trip. And then the rest of the trip, we just went down to the beach and did all that. We went to Venice and hung out and, when what looked at all the muscle guys, you know, working out on the beach, people skateboarding, it was just all, it was just crazy. It was, it, you know, because you know we're we're just Midwest kids well, from I was Chicago. Just, I was just gonna say that, you know, I was I was born and raised in Minnesota, so yeah, you you go out to California and it's like a whole different world. Yeah, sunshine and sunshine and an ocean, and you know, we had Lake Michigan, which is big, but it was so foreign to us you know to to see all that and chicks in bikinis everywhere and we're like wow you know, we're like, well and and on top of that 
all of the music. Now, you know, yes, Chicago is gets a lot of bands touring through there, but you're you're in Los Angeles, Hollywood, Sunset Strip, which is definitely and a lot of record labels are based there the, too. the record labels were based there so all of a sudden that's the place where if you're a music fan not even a musician if you're just a fan of music that's the place you wanted to be that was the place you wanted to be wow i'm a, i'm walking around on the on the strip and i'm going like wow this is amazing you know, because you just feel the rock and roll vibe when, especially when you have, you know, from Grizzaries and whiskey and Starwood, uh, Star Starwood, what was it called? Um, well, Starwood. Star, Starwood and the Troubadour. Troub and you know, just all those places were all just next to each other, and it was just such a, you know, you're just you're walking around and they're just, you know, everybody's rocked out. They're all like. You know, they looked, they got the part down, whether, they, whether they're in the band or not. Everybody's got the look. You know, it's a different look than we had back then in, in the Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, we just wore our black T-shirt, but these guys have the look. You know, they got the hairs right, the earrings are right, everything's right, you know. Yep. Yeah, it was quite the trip, and, and it was all impromptu with not a clue what we were doing. You know, we had not, no, no idea what we were going to see or what to do. Now, when you got back to Chicago, were you telling your other buddies, it's like, oh, my God, we saw a kiss when they recorded a live, too? Absolutely. I, 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 how, is, how did that happen? You know, what were the chances of that happening? You know, and what were the chances of, like, you know, again, they were on their their second live record. I don't even know. I mean, Made in Japan. Uh, I'm trying to think of Wasn't, live albums. Um, uh, Frampton Comes Alive was out at that time. Yeah, Frampton. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Cause it was weird because I loved them in Humble Pie. It, it kind of lost me there because it was just a little too light for me. You know, I mean, it, it had its moments, but it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And that he was really a ch- for a, he was for the chicks, and it obviously worked. It was the big, biggest live record ever, you know, yep. until whatever. But I mean, it was for historically, it had a you know long run and that. But you know, I loved him and I loved him in Humble Pie, and I loved him when he was in that band, The Herd, as well. Prior to that, yep. But the, there wasn't many live records at the time. No, I, you know, li- live live records were were actually back then quite often looked at as you know we got to just fill the contract because the band is yeah. over, so record yeah. that live record. I mean nowadays live records are are the way people go all the time. I mean it's just multiple live records bands release nowadays because people want the experience. It's, and well, it's gotten it, you know. Mem- Remember back then, it was a lot of the audience was just synced in anyway. Yeah. You know, oh, yes. No, no, none of those live albums were actually live. <laughs> yeah. And live so in the maybe studio. They did, yeah, they played in the studio and they put, they, they synced in the, the, the audience because you can go, hey, you know, it's like you, it was all synchronized. Everything went to the same kind of sound. It didn't have the same experience that the live records do today. Yeah. And that where you're like, we just filmed, um, uh, Def Leppard live from Vegas from their residency. Yep, that's quite. It's. It, I mean, it's quite the spectacle. That'll come out. Uh, I think in a 
let's see, that'll be out in April. That'll come out in April. Uh, yeah, we I think I, I, last. I think I just saw something on Facebook today where they were announcing it. It's going to be called From London to Vegas? Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, I, I went to a couple of the shows, the ones that we filmed, and it was like, it's it's a big, big show. Big. <laughs> Huge. Because, again, another Mercury Act. Yep. I remember them opening for Scorpions at the Aragon. Yep. First time through, through the night. You know, and they were part of the, they were kind of thrown into the new wave of heavy metal because they had a single like Motorhead did and Iron yep. Maiden did and all that other stuff. So they evolved into what they've become and there's no stopping them, it seems. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, Jim, but we, we, you wouldn't, you, Oh, I was going to say, but those, it's a, it's a massive show, but I think the massive show footprint starts with kids. Oh yeah, most definitely. They laid the groundwork. Now, nowadays it's easy for any band and I'm not downplaying Def Leppard or anybody, but it's easy for any band to just buy boatloads of pyro and tons of lights yeah. and tons of lasers and tons of stage gimmicks and all you know you know you basically can do a go go to you know the costco of staging and you can walk in yeah. and just i want that i want that i want that i want that and send the bill to here and there you go you've got the biggest show in the world it's all about yeah. n- nowadays it all comes down to how much money do you want to spend yeah exactly back back you know, then it's... back then that wasn't it that it it was about somebody who had a vision to say, God, we need to build a lighted logo. Who can build something for us? You know, we want to put together a drum kit that gets lifted into the air. How do we do that? Oh, well, you could have a forklift behind there, and the forklift could just lift it up behind a curtain. You know, it took somebody back then to have the vision to want to do that because nobody was doing it exactly yeah they were the pioneers of that of everything uh because they start they started it they had to come up with a way to do it and put it together and now like you said everything could be store-bought yep how much money do you have how much money you want to spend we can give you here's the menu but back then it was all just you know innovation yeah yeah i mean i you know i imagine my my moment of going, wow, I can't believe I'm just seeing that, was when Motley Crue was on the Theater of Pain tour and Tommy Lee had the drum kit that just went to a 45-degree angle. Yeah, that was pretty I, spectacular. That was spectacular. Too. And he was playing. And he was playing. He was still playing, and it, and it, and it, it only lifted him at a 45-degree angle and stopped. But at that point in time, I'd never seen anybody do anything. I've seen drum risers come out to the front of the stage and move back, and you've seen them get lifted straight up and come down. But all of a sudden, it went to a 45-degree angle, and it was jaw-dropping. And then the following tour, when it does the whole circle, you were just like, yeah, it spun them. You were just like, what am I seeing? It's hard to innovate. It's hard to innovate nowadays. It really is. I know. I know. I mean, nowadays, I mean, it's, you know, it's all about like sometimes like 
uh, they'll put a guy he can get in like almost like a, a what do you call it? It goes a ski lift, and it'll take you from one end the big stage to a small stage sometime somewhere like near the soundboard. Yeah, well, what, that's, 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 that's what Paul does for, you know, for uh, Love Gun. He'll go out to the middle of the state. Yeah, the so, the, the, it, so it kind of evolved like that in those ways. Some ways, sometimes they had the band, you know, if, if they wanted to, they would kind of go through the, the sides of the, you know, like of the main floor and worked their way up to that area on that stage. I mean, there was all kinds of things, but nothing. I would say what Kiss did each time in there in the, how the show evolved, it was a first for everybody. Yeah. I think that's a it was fair a first statement. and they did it. They did it in a, it, they had to, it was a DYI. They had to figure out how can we do this? Like you said, there was no like blueprint for any of this stuff. Yep, they had to build their own pyro. They had to put together their own, you know, flash pots, concussions, the the and, and, and sirens. Think about it, and they had you know think about the level that they took all the fire to and the pyro. You know, getting the codes and you know testing it out and making sure that. They got the, the building codes, the fire department codes, all this stuff, because they were so ahead of everybody else that they're going to actually pull this off inside a building. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting you bring that up, because last week, we our show, we had um, John Watkins, who was Kiss's pyrotechnician on the Dynasty Tour and the Revenge Tour, and then we had um, John Berlick, who was the author of Killer Show, the station nightclub fire. He, he's the author of the oh, book, yeah. and he was the lawyer who um, was involved in many of the civil cases. So we talked all about the station nightclub fire, but I was asking John Watkins to contribute based on what would Kiss do? How was Kiss dealing with pyro and 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 fire inspectors and, and all that stuff? And, you know, I we, we, we comment, it's like, you know, it's it's fortunate that when you look back at, you know, Kiss playing a high school in 74, 75, that they never had any accidents. Mm, no. You know, because we've probably all seen fi uh, photos of Kiss on some small stage with some of their flame pots going off and seeing the fire go straight up to the ceiling and touch the ceiling. And you're just like, yeah. how lucky was Kiss back then because nobody knew what to do and how to do it you learn through trial and error that there was never a, a serious tragedy um and i guess it, it it's a statement to their crew in trying to do things professionally yeah well that's the other part too is i mean they've always had excellent crews uh, excellent people, professionals that could like pull all this stuff off. You couldn't pull that stuff off without professionals. I mean, cause they had so much going on and synchronized, uh, you know, and again, all this thing it, 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 over time, this all became more computerized you know, yep. over time. But back then it wasn't computerized, right? Everything had to be done manually. Yep. And so everybody had to really be in sync with each other with the band and when to pull the trigger, 
but also had to be very professional in doing all these things, never to create a or harm anybody. Yeah, and 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 be prepared. I mean, obviously, from the very beginning, Gene setting his fire, his hair on fire when the first time he was breathing fire. Um, you know, they were immediately like, okay, then somebody's going to be on the side of the stage with a fire extinguisher and a wet, wet rags to put fires out. Yeah. So it was, it, again, it's a testament to the crews that they always had, that they were able, they were at that level of professionalism to pull this stuff off. Yeah, yeah. Jim, we have been on for two hours here. Wow, that was a fast two hours. Well, that, two that, hours. That, that, you know what, that's always the way it goes when we, we have amazing guests on like you. It's just like the conversation just keeps going, and you're like, God, we could share more stories and memories for another hour here, but um, we need to wrap up. Um, yeah, no, no, you're you're a fantastic host, and thank let me you. tell you that what makes the show so great is our passion and love for music, and each of us have memories of shows and releases, and and through all of this, and we share all this together, and that's what makes it so great because. We all learn from each other. Yep. Yeah. That, Everybody's that, got a memory and a story. That That's exactly it. That's what we've always wanted this show to be about is just people sharing their memories, their stories, their timeline. And, and even though we've got, we've got, like I said, fans who've discovered Kiss in 2000 and 2010 and, they have their memories too, but they love hearing Excellent. other people's memories. I mean, when we would yeah. talk about, you know, my my big first memory of Kiss was seeing them on the Paul Lind Halloween special in '76, wow. and it was just like, you know, I can go into great details of what it felt like and what I was doing and how it made me feel, and you know. But then we'll hear from an 18-year-old who goes, you know, I've never experienced that. I've watched it on YouTube, but it's amazing to hear your story because the way you felt is the way I felt when I saw Kiss under the Brooklyn Bridge on MTV. Mm. You know, that was their moment. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It doesn't matter when you, you're like, like uh, I think somebody, Sean Glass, uh, you know, Sean Glass from, I think it was Soil, you know, he, yeah. he he's a Chicago guy and he said, uh, he said, Wow, 74, that's pretty early. I says, we all got to start somewhere, but we always end up at the same place. Exactly. You he, all, said you... me, he said to me, you're so right, Jim. I go, well, you know, we all, you had to start somewhere, and but we'll all end up at the same end, end game. Yep, exactly. We all, we all have our, where we got on, got on this train. And, but we're all on the train, and we're all going along for the ride, and we're all having a blast, and we've all got yeah. different memories. And, you know, it's all about hanging out with other fans. You know, just like when you were with your buddies in 74, it's just like you're getting together, and you're just, oh, my God, did you see this band? Did you hear this album? Did you see the new yeah. single? What do you think of that? Um, you know, those memories are incredible. It was it was discovery. It was yep. all discovery because we love music so much and it was such a part of our life. And it was so every day was a new day of discovery because that's how it was. I mean, we then remember we got later 
especially got into the thrash thing, it became a a tape trading thing. Oh yeah. Everybody was trading demos yep. and trading live shows from their market and it was a whole was a whole like underground of tape trading that well, you trusted people and you sent them the tape they sent you a tape it was tape trading it was fanzines it was you know i i have such amazing and beautiful memories of getting the early issues of kerrang in the 80s uh, when they were yes. imp imports you could only get kerrang magazine and an import so you know by the time it hit my local the head shop, which was carrying the imports, you know, the issue was already probably two months old. I yes, didn't and, care. And it was just like, oh, my God, all of a sudden there's this magazine or magazines or fanzines that are bringing you the discovery. Exactly. And I remember because you didn't have Internet, there would be ads in the back yep. and you could – mail order for things so like i mail ordered for the iron maiden soundhouse tapes oh wow that's how i got it by mail order by an ad in the back of kerrang yep and i had to go to a bank and get a conversion yes. for the yep. pounds you had to get like a money then. money order and send them a money order in british pounds and and not having a clue i'm just again you're you're, you're young and you're just like well, well i have to go to the bank and get a money order in in, in pounds and send it um, and then go to the post office and say i need to send this to england so can you help me with this with the airmail i don't remember airmail yeah yeah and, they, they, they'd yeah. be like well, well how do you want to send it airmail will cost you twenty dollars sending it surface <laughs> will cost you two dollars but it'll take three months to get there by boat you're like yeah i can't wait that long <laughs> Yeah, so that's again. It's it's all part of the 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 experience. But then where it took us, where we could just, you know, you just go to the band website, or you just go, you know, like everybody's got websites to get buy things, or you you know, it's that that's how easy it is today. Or if you want to Google information of the past, you can do that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, every, I, every day, I love those old memories. I love the old timeline. But I'm also such a big fan today of the absolute pure convenience of I can jump on somebody's website, PayPal them 10 bucks, including shipping and handling, and most of the time it'll arrive in the next couple weeks. I mean, yeah. easy. Love it. You easy. want you want to find you want to find some music? I just jump on Spotify and there's 50 million songs on there, and I can find whatever whatever's got me curious right now. It, there it is. Found and, it. And and then the other way, funny thing I love doing is if I, there's a, I, something I lost, you know, in my travels, you know, yep. or in my moving or something that I missed. And I, I, my mind is jogged or somebody talks to me about it, or I see something and then I go to Discogs and you'll see, I'm just always floored that. These are all the versions of that album that have come out, all of the different deluxe packages, anything from all over the world. And you, in, and you can order it. Yeah. You know, from, from another fan or a collector, because it's mostly people selling their stuff. Now it's become a little more of their stores on there now, too, because it helps to subsidize your retail store by having a Discog store or an eBay store. But it's... Um, but it's, I'm always amazed that when I'm on Discogs, I'm always like, wow, look at all that. I, I didn't know about, because again, you're, 
sometimes when things come out and you don't have the the media or the opportunity to buy things, you didn't know back then that they had that version that was from Germany. Oh no! And then you yeah. compare the German version to the U.S. version. You go with, the, and they have a whole. It comes in some sort of box and this and that, and you're like, "Well, I gotta have that one." <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't it, even know that was it, evolved. It, it, it just—it used to be something as simple as, "Oh my God, you mean they released a promotional single over in the UK, and the B side was a studio outtake that isn't available anywhere else?" And you're just yes. like, "Wow, who 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 knew that?" and and back then, it was, if you missed that opportunity to get it, it may never come back around again. You know, if, if, it may if, never come back. If that, if that import record store only had one copy, and you didn't have money on that Monday, but you were going to come back the following week, and it's gone, well, guess what? You probably ain't getting it ever again. Yeah, I, I just, you know, a quick example. I, I was going back, you know, I was... I missed a couple of those Metallica fan cans mm-hmm. you know, just in my travels. I, I, I went to Discogs and I put in cans, Metallica cans. I didn't realize that there was a can for the Black Album that was for Virgin Records Australia only, oh, wow. as an example, that had yep. its own stuff in it, you know, as an example, or I didn't know that for Injustice for All, there was a Japanese can. That These are not fan cans. They were just, a, they were a specific yep. Japan release for that that came with a bunch of stuff in it. So, I mean, because you're not going to know everything in, that goes on in the world, even if, you know, even if we become further along, because you just can't keep up with everything. You're, you're trying to keep up with us coming out in the United States. You may know some stuff that's come out in England, but you don't know everything that's coming out in Australia or Japan. Right, right. So I discovered those things, you know, that aren't that old, but, you know, they are a little on the older side. But, you know, they, I wouldn't have had a clue if I wasn't looking for that fan can I was missing. Right, exactly, exactly. Jim, this was such a trip down memory lane. And, it, oh, it, you know, it, you. and it's so great to have somebody who was at these, you know, early KISS events, who can share their memory, share your memory and your experience of being there for all of the rest of us who, you know, have only heard about it. Well, thank you. And it was, like I said, it was an honor. And it, and like I said, from talking to all you guys, there's always something I can learn too. It's always, there's always, when you're talking to people who are truly into this, and into all this stuff, it's it's always just such a joy to talk to fellow people who are fans, and and we just talk about music and memories. It just yep. you know that's yep. why I got into the business and if why it, I'm still so into it because I love it so much. If if only we could sit here and say I remember seeing Kiss at the Thirsty Whale. Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, I played a lot of great bands at the Thirsty Wells. I'm sure you have, yep. but that they weren't one of them, you know, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, a, good, a great venue, lots of memories. Uh, a venue that I think back now and I go, oh my God, was that the pits? But it was the place to be. It was incredible. It was the I'm place like, to be, but most, there's, by me, when I work in the city, but I live two hours north, the legendary chance 
which is kind of like a thirsty whale. It's yep. just a beat up old venue, but it's believe it or not, it's still alive and kicking. I don't know why, you know, Y and T just played there. Pat Travers was there, but then they'll get bands like, you know, some of the newer, like hardcore stuff, like knock loose played there. Cro-Mags will be there, you know, so they get a mixed bag of bands. That I'm going like, thank God it's only 10 miles from my house. Yep. Cause, cause we're both, we're both at that age now where we're like, man, can we get the show started and done by nine o'clock so I can get home and get to sleep at a decent hour? Well, that, and also with me, I'm I'm not going to take i I'm not going to drive into the city. So what I do is I take public transportation. So I take the train. So I have to look at the clock and look at the schedule. If I take the 1147 train, I'm not going to get home till almost two in the morning. I know. Yep. And, and, and I don't know, listen, I won't even go see kiss these days. If I'm yeah. not, if I'm getting home at two in the morning, it's like, I'm yeah. sorry, been well, there, about been, been there, yeah, done that. Yeah. They'll, they'll start their shows earlier now because they don't want to be there later. And plus they know there's a lot of kids there yep. and you know, they got to get home. Yep. So, yep. If we're lucky in that exactly, case. Exactly. Jim, once again, thank you so much for joining us oh, this week. Oh, thank you for these, the these opportunity. These were some amazing it really, stories. It was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So you guys ducked out probably about halfway through the conversation, but, oh, my God, was it was just fascinating hearing stories from Jim. Somebody oh, who's attended these somebody attended these events and and it you know what it was it was like not just lucky enough to go to one event my God the amazing events he went to and not just kiss events just yeah rock shows yep exactly he was very much the right place and the right time in order to get in and and go to all those shows and be fortunate enough I mean I don't know it the the, the whole Woodfield, the great kiss-off, was just amazing. Can you just imagine being a diehard Kiss fan at something like that when nobody else gave a crap about Kiss or even knew who Kiss were? I can't. I mean, just the fact that he lived that. And, you know, you've heard stories about it, but no one, we've never met anybody or spoken to anybody that actually attended the event. And it's much more than just a kiss-off piece of it. It's the fact that the whole band was there. He got to talk with them and meet them back then. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I think the modern-day equivalent would be as if right now, and I'm talking, you know, um, February of 2000. 20 uh say dirty honey evolves into some stadium act um they're touring clubs right now right um, you know what i mean if you were to see right. them now and, and and you know get to see them basically sometimes open for other people and you know and in some ways uh, you know i i was able to do that i think you two i'm not sure or not but i mean either both of you saw guns and roses as an opening act right um i saw yeah. them both i saw them in a th- headlining a theater with Udo and Zodiac Mind Warp opening, and then then I saw them opening for Alice Cooper. Yeah, so that's kind of you know what I'm you know I'm, I saw them with the Cult open for the Cult, and then I saw them uh, open for Aerosmith. You know, so it's just you know saying that same thing with Metallica. I saw Metallica. Uh, as an opener, I saw Motley Crue as an opener, you know, um, and I know you guys have seen some of those 
same sorts of things too. I saw Iron Maiden as an opener, you know, um, these yeah. are, these are big bands. So in order to have, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, experience, uh, you know, it, it's kind of goes right along with that. You know, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because one of the, the odd things to me is in some of these festivals that I shoot more so country artists than, uh, rock artists, but you'd be amazed at how many people let the whole day go by without seeing any of the bands. And they only show up for the top two headliners, you know, the, the two biggest names of the day at night. And it's like, well, you know, they started somewhere too. And you, who knows what you just missed today. Yeah, I I, so, I, rem- I remember years ago seeing Hailstorm. They were uh, at like some rock festival, and they were the opening band in the middle of the afternoon. Nobody had heard yep. of them, and and I I distinctly remember um, their mom was walking through the the sh- outdoor shed selling CDs to people as as Hailstorm was playing. There you go. Yeah, and see so. Uh, Word of the wise, if you go to these festivals, go there to soak in not only your headliner and why you're there, but check out these other bands as well. You might be pleasantly surprised. Yep. Yep. Or I, how many times and then you can say I in, saw. You know, how many times have we walked in and then walked out a fan of somebody? I, I, although they never got, you know, arena big or whatever, I, you know, and I shared it on the show before. I remember going to see Kicks, K-I-X. Yep. And boy, I walked out of there going, I can't get to the record store fast enough to buy this material. It was fantastic. And that just that one right. show that I just happened to check them out. I remember I went to Harpo's just on happenstance. I went there because you just went there. And, I'm, and I remember just jaw dropped watching that band go. And I'm like, oh, my God, are they great? You know, that's a good feeling, too, when yeah. you do that. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's It's just... In in this case, it's so cool to find somebody who was at such amazing Kiss events. I mean, seeing Rush and Kiss together. Yeah, how, how that's freaking, crazy. How, seeing Kiss open for T Rex. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. But but then again, crazy. you know, you could actually kind of say that with the bills that you know, I, you know, I saw Guns and Roses with with the Cult or Guns and Roses with Aerosmith. You know, those are two bands that you know can play stadiums. You know yep. what I mean? And it's it's kind of weird that you you know you saw them. Although I did when I when that bill was at um, was at Pine Knob, so it wasn't. But the other one though, when I saw him with the Cult, I think that was at the Fox. You know, that was just that was at a you know, a couple thousand seat or so. And, you know, and, pretty, and, and, pretty his, and his story about driving out to LA and just by chance kiss and cheap trick are playing the LA forum that day, you know, yeah, how crazy, how that. crazy is that? And then the next day they're like, all right, let's go see, see some bands. Who's playing the whiskey. Well, there's this band called the runaways playing at the whiskey. And I, I, I haven't shared it yet. Uh, um, but he, he's got a whiskey event flyer for that week. And that week, Van Halen and ACDC were also playing at the whiskey. Jesus. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, I mean, just, yeah. To it, you, It's proud to be a fan when you can say you were there for some band's 
first show, early shows, before nobody else was there, and that you've stayed with them forever. Right. Yeah, it is. It's it, it's a it's an amazing feeling. It is. So you never know who you might discover next. So get there early and see those opening bands. Yeah, Plus, they the, appreciate the support. Yeah, you know what? On the end of the road tour, go check out this new band, David Lee Roth. Yeah, yeah he's really something. He's got something. He's got a future ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's a song and dance man. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he 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 could do an awesome Van Halen tribute. Yes, he really can. And his original stuff is pretty good, too. Yep. Um, so homework. I guess it's the obvious question is, which one of Jim's stories, shows, events, did you find the most fascinating? Which one would you want to have seen attended the most? You know, you can't say I want to do all of them. Pick one. And I don't know, why don't each right. of us go around real quick. Of the ones that Jim was at, which one would we have most liked to have attended? Oh, that's easy for me. Um, Rush and, and, and Kiss, you know, um, a young Neil Peart, and, uh, you know, that, that's a no-brainer. I would, I would have to agree with you on that one, Mark. I would, I would pick the same one. It, for, for me, man, it's such a tough decision. But as a yeah. Kiss fan now... I think being at that great kiss off event would have been incredible. I mean, it it wasn't just a 90 minute show. It was like an all day event. And, you know, the band is hanging out in the record store, talking to people. They're in makeup and costumes, taking pictures. I mean, if you were a diehard kiss fan at that point in time, that would be like the shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got something there. That's true too, I guess. I, and the rush thing isn't as big of a deal for me. Just seeing them that early would would have been amazing. But yeah, hanging out at the record store wouldn't have, wouldn't have sucked either. I mean, I mean, you know, any of us who've listeners or any of us co-hosts who've been to in stores. I mean, you know that the Great American Music Kiss in store still makes a huge impression on me. Could you imagine an in store yeah. appearance in 1974? Uh, no, and and that's when they, they weren't popular, so they were hanging around. You could actually probably stand around and speak to them a little bit and all that. That's that's amazing. Um, I, I think we should also add though too to the homework is what bands have you discovered Good in your idea. in your lifetime? Who, who you know, yeah, who who, 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 who have you seen before they were well known and that blew up and got huge? Yep. You know that'd be a good one too. Yep. Yeah, I, I, that's that's always fascinating. Um, you know, I, I tell you what. Although, again, you know, our former guest, first time I saw Metal Church was uh, was a, was as an opener. You know what I mean? That that's yeah. a band that well, much like much like much like Kitsch. You know, uh, did, did they become world beaters and all? This? No, but if if I would have got there late, I wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Yep. Or if I yep. only went to the headliner. And that's the whole thing. And it also goes back to what I said about ZO2, another band that, you know, world beaters know. But, man, I went just, and I was mesmerized the first day that I saw them. You know, I've shared that story on here. But that's the whole thing, you know. I want to give every band that's touring, and that's just not Kiss Bills. That's any bill. I always try to see. Um, matter of fact, Tommy, you and I were just talking about Volbeat. First time I saw Volbeat was on... Um, yeah, yeah. I think it 
it was the Gigantor tour with uh, with Megadeth, and they were way down the, the. And I remember saying to my buddy, "This band's going to be huge." You know what I mean? I really, yeah. really enjoyed them, and and that's exactly it. You know, I, they were they were at the bottom of the bill on a you know on a pretty heavy um, heavy metal you know intensive bill, but uh, boy oh boy, they sure uh, climbed the ranks not too uh, much longer than that. So. Yeah, they were great. They are great, I should say. Yeah. So yeah. so so you guys know where to go with your homework. Head to Facebook.com slash three sides of the coin, either our page or our group or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube. Um leave us leave us your homework answers. We'd love love to read them all. And uh just a quick reminder, if you're listening on Spotify click the follow button if you're listening on itunes leave us a review and a rating and if you're watching us on youtube although this week you're listening to us on youtube uh hit that subscribe button so you don't ever miss another episode and uh that's it we do have a guest next week guys somebody from somebody from radio is joining us and I think that's he's gonna, I think he's going to have some cool kiss stories. So um, that's it. Three sides of the coin. We are out of here for this week. You love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. Download your free free copy of the KISS School of Marketing. 11 Lessons I Learned Working with KISS. The number one downloaded business book on Noise Trade. Go to books.noisetrade.com slash Michael Brandvold. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.